Guys, do you want to do you want to prop up an anti pope? Yeah, let's do it. Probably, <laughs> Liam, you want to be anti pope? <laughs> pope. What, what's, what what will your what will your papal name be, Liam? Yeah, what is your My papal name? <laughs> so Skeet. Stupid. Skeet. Skeet. <laughs> pope Skeet the first. Pope Skeet. Imagine everyone's actually a pope named Skeet. This podcast contains explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Thundercast. My name is Christian. My name is Lucas. And I'm Liam, here with another podcast that just talks about movies. That's right. Today, we are coming live from Vladimir Putin's living room, I suppose. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I assume that's where they hang out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and today we are sponsored by our patrons and every single one of you is going to get a shout out, shout out at the end of the show. Um, the reason why we're coming to you live from Vladimir Putin's uh, living room is because we're hanging out with one, uh, Vladimir P- Putin, and two, sadly, Steven Seagal. Um, yeah. That will make more sense in a moment because today we are talking about Steven Seagal in our action a deputy Sheriff uh, Stephen Seagal. Uh, yeah, so today we're talking about Stephen um, Siegel. Sorry, I keep saying his name wrong. Stephen Siegel. Uh, because as I've said before, he's a far more credible Siegel than he is a martial artist or actor. That is, that is very true. Um, I mean, as we normally do, let's get things started and jump right into the ingestion. Uh, who would like to go first? Who has less stuff? Uh, I only have a couple things, but... Uh... All right. Lucas, you go ahead. All right. Well, I'll I'll finish up finish up my ingestion from from last time. Uh, and I I did finish the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah. Okay. I watched okay. Return of the King. Um, and I saw a meme on Twitter, like like just randomly Return of the Queen, Return of the King was trending on Twitter a couple days ago, and I saw a meme that was like, uh, whenever I watch whenever I watch Return of the King, suddenly my disdain for monarchies leaves my body, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is pretty accurate. Yeah, <laughs> like monarchies are bad, except in Return of the King. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a great movie. It's, it's again not not. I, I said I said I don't have much to say about it last time, but then we talked about Lord of the Rings for like fifteen minutes. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, it's great. I love it. Um, it is a little bit bloated. I will say, uh, considering it's like four hours and twenty minutes long or Holy something shit, like that. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah that's the extended, the extended one. version. Yeah, yeah, I was watching the extended edition. So it's like an extra but, hour and a half, or uh, extra hour. The the theatrical cut. Each each one of them is about an extra hour. Mm. Um, but basically, uh, mostly, I think the added stuff drags it down a little bit. Just kind of ruins the pacing. But it does wonders for both uh, Eowyn and Faramir. I think those two characters get a lot more screen time, a lot more development in the uh, extended edition. Um, and Aylmer gets a little more as well. Who is sorry. who? Sorry, you you're, you guys are bigger fans of this franchise than I. Okay, have. Uh, uh, Faramir is Boromir's brother. Uh, Boromir is the one who gets killed in Fellowship of the Ring, and Faramir is uh, the brother, the less loved of the brothers by their father Denethor. Um, and Eowyn is uh, the Rohirrim woman who goes along and fights as well. She's the one who kills mm. the Witch King. She pulls off her helmet, says, I am no man, stabs him in the face. Right, right. Yeah, Which, honestly, I... great scene. Yeah. <laughs> also, if I uh, remember correctly, she's also not in the books. Uh, I don't, I, I think she's in there. Yeah, I think she's in there. Or, yeah, I she, mean, well, she Eowyn got wrote is. up. Well, yeah, well, she got, or at least she got written up in the movie. Yeah, she, did, she does, she does yeah. kill uh, the Witch King in the book as well. Hmm. 
and and she has a very similar scene where she, it's a little wordier where she says like uh she says something along the lines of like you do not look upon a man you look upon eowyn i am a woman or something like that uh, yes. how token um, <laughs> Yeah, seen, <laughs> Tolkien oh. is Tolkien is a token overwriter. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get still say I give him some defense just in the context of when he was writing those books, mm. um, and like yeah. uh, how we didn't really have fantasy like that at that time, so we kind of did yeah. have to overwrite his descriptions. But he spends like three pages describing a tree, and everybody knows what a tree looks like. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck is a tree? <laughs> But it was this great um, tree, Lucas. This amazing great tree. <laughs> um, I, I think I appreciate uh, the extended edition of Return of the King a little more on this rewatch. Um, for uh, I'm not entirely sure why, but uh, I think uh, Eowyn's part being um, brought up a lot because I think she's a much more important character than uh, the theatrical cuts would have you uh, believe. Right. Um, but overall, it's 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 a really good movie. It made me cry. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't have that much more to say about it. Really, it's just I just it's just really good. I love it. This is so yeah, good. Fair enough. One fair thing, enough. I mean, I've never seen the extended versions, but on principle, I did. Wa- I have seen all of the scenes out of context, like not all together, mm-hmm. or like mainly just because what it was a crime to cut Saruman out of uh, the theatrical cut. It was especially, apparently, apparently Christopher Lee was quite upset about that. <laughs> well, especially given he, has, from what I understand, he essentially directed that scene because he's like, "Uh, that's not he, how you kill a man. This isn't yeah. how people die. <laughs> that's not the sound people make when they're stabbed in the back." <laughs> <laughs> how do you know that? You don't want to know, or you'll be next. <laughs> Legally, he can't tell you. Yeah, um, <laughs> he was in the Secret Service, right? Uh, well, his from what I understand, his his missions are still classified. <laughs> Um, but essentially, he was behind enemy lines. The theories that go around, of course, they're probably they might be blown out of proportion. Is but he's a the, vampire? The, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the theory is that he was essentially uh, a Nazi hunter, like an Inglorious Bastards. Oh yeah, yeah. Go around and like hunt Nazis and kill them behind enemy lines. Cool. Mm. I um, know. Uh, but there's yeah. also talk about how he was part of the influence for Bond. Yep. 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 There's that too. I uh, wouldn't be shocked if the moment those become declassified, there's already four scripts about it. <laughs> basically, Not basically. A movie. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, 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 I have a. I think I, I realize I have an opinion on Gandalf in these movies. I think. <laughs> I think. Like, yeah. <laughs> I have an opinion on Gandalf. I have an opinion on Gandalf. <laughs> I think Gandalf the Gray is way more fun than Gandalf the White. That's. that's I have always fact, been yeah. to that opinion. Yeah. I, I didn't really realize how much more fun Gandalf the Grey was until Gandalf the White was just kind of boring. Gandalf the White is he's just kind of a douche. Like he's, <laughs> I think the thing is that he's just too holy. Yeah, yeah. He's Jesus. Yeah, he, he's, he's very stiff, whereas uh, Gandalf uh, the Grey was smoking with Bilbo and like and like basically cussing out Pippin whenever Pippin fucked up. He's and, a little, <laughs> yeah, he's a little crockety and yeah, uh, yeah, he's he, so much more fun. Full of a took. Yeah. Something <laughs> next time. Save us from your stupidity. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Return of the King. Uh, hot take, but it's a good movie. Um, <laughs> Is that a hot I mean, take? I, I don't no. know. <laughs> I know it's most people's favorite of the Lord of of the mm. Lord of Rings movies. My personal favorite is uh, Fellowship. My, mine as well. Mine's Fellowship. Yeah. Return- Especially when it comes to the extended editions. Return for was like 
because I haven't seen those movies in fucking years. Um, like it's been like four or five years for me, but, uh, mm-hmm. from what I remember, I remember return being probably my favorite. So there mm-hmm. you go. We got the, we got the trifecta here. Um, <laughs> did you know it was nominated for 11 Academy Awards? Guess and how many won I, 11. I would, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those were, I think th- those were less for the movie itself and more for the trilogy. I would, I would, I would, I would agree. Think. Yeah. Well, I remember a lot of people were really shocked, but it took home as much as it did that year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and th- there were a lot of scenes that i remember being really silly uh that i liked a lot more this rewatch like the scene where uh legolas kills the oliphant um <laughs> he I... kills timothy oliphant <laughs> <laughs> he does no uh the the giant elephant i remember like it is very silly it's it's pretty stupid because isn't but it just it's also like being fun. whipped around yeah. like he he like jumps up on the leg and climbs up with a bunch of like arrows that are in its leg and then, like, it has the big tower on its back, and he cuts a rope and throws Pulls this arrow out of this elephant. Uh, what yeah, is it? yeah. <laughs> and then he jumps up on it after he kills, like, obviously the thing falls off and into the ghosts and kills all the people in the tower. And he runs up to the elephant's, uh, uh, like, at, to the base of its neck and fires three arrows at the same time into oh, the right. base of its neck, and it dies. Which I'm like, I don't think that would kill an elephant. Uh, not <laughs> a that Vettis, size. And then he surfs down the. Um, he surfs down the top of a trunk. <laughs> Which it's it's stupid and silly, but it was fun. And but then I mean, Gim, that's... and then and then he gets to the ground, and Gimli's like, "That still only counts as one." And... <laughs> yeah, I've, that's the kind of shit I really love in like epic fantasy. Uh, like yeah, the kind yeah. of like because it's very swashbuckly, and I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. Because the last time I watched these was after I'd seen The Hobbit, but like uh, they make they they do some extremely silly things with like listen the Hobbit movies. So like I think that desensitized me to the silly things in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's just more so distracting of a hobbit because he looks old as shit, but cake faced. And... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and somehow jumps off of falling rocks. Yeah. Yep, <laughs> and uh, is also a bastard for some reason. Yeah, it's just a dick. <laughs> Can you jump off of something that's falling? No, <laughs> no. It's we, you. We... You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't exert pressure on something that has that is equal like, to in the, the air. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just not physically. Possible. I did think about it for a second. How right? elegant you are! Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's Return of the King. Good right movie. On, right um, I also last night uh, I watched a certain movie that we're going to talk about in the main segment, and uh, I, I I was feeling bad, so I watched uh, Soul. <laughs> I didn't like I that, like, so I, I watched a good I, movie. <laughs> yeah, I watched. I, I didn't like it, so I watched a Pixar movie, which I've only disliked like one Pixar movie. So I'm like, this is. I'm probably gonna like it. Oh, it was the first time you saw it. <laughs> it's the first time I saw it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And uh, it was good. I liked it. <laughs> it is pretty good. Uh, it is pretty good. Uh, I would. I kind of. I. I kind of consider it mid tier. Uh, Pixar personally. Um, sure. It, it was very good. Like again, there's only there's only a handful of uh, Pixar movies that I think are below very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think why it. Um, uh, I mean, I personally, it got me pretty hard in some spots. Even if uh, mm-hmm. I do, uh, there are a couple of things I have some reservations about that I've talked about in the past. Mainly just mm-hmm. with some stuff in the ending. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I don't think it's bad. I've been kind of swayed the other way. Oh, yeah. Um. But I think what I appreciated most is that it felt like Pete Doctor and everybody were making a, a what is it, a movie more so for people who grew up with Pixar from the beginning. Mm. And that kind of resonated with me. And also, like, uh, just talk about, like, passion and, like, uh, sharing that and also kind of being kind of being a teacher, which I kind of liked a lot. Yeah. 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 I, 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 I genuinely really liked it. Um, you liked what? Like, Sorry. 
uh, soul. Sorry, Academy Award winning uh, soul. Uh, yes, <laughs> Academy Award winning animated feature soul. Yes. I really liked the main character. I thought, like, I, I don't, I, who played him? I, I don't Jamie know. Jamie Foxx. Ah, there you go. I don't know why they didn't recognize his voice. But <laughs> he, he doesn't, it's hard to, the thing with Jamie Foxx that I've noticed is when he's doing, because he's done a few, like, voices in the past. And, like, even when he's singing on tracks and stuff, like, he's also a singer, it's hard to tell mm. that's Jamie Foxx, you know? Mm. So, mm-hmm. I don't I don't, I don't see I what, think yeah, what I, also I, I'm, on, helped, I'm on your boat. I think what also helped is that he very much didn't just make it like, uh, he didn't just do kind of a Jamie Foxx thing he could fall into. He knew when to let the animation take over. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I really like the kind of message at the end where, like, your spark is not necessarily your purpose sort of idea. Uh, I thought I thought that was... Uh, pretty nuanced for a kids movie oh yeah um and i wouldn't re- really call that i think that's it's a movie kids can watch like, yeah that's fair yeah um I think and it, it, it 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 kind of uh i think one of the things that it didn't really bug me but it felt like it was trying to do inside out again just in a different way kind of which uh which isn't a bad thing obviously inside out is I think my favorite Pixar movie. Agreed. But um, I mean, it's a funny way of saying uh, Toy Story 2, but yeah. <laughs> I feel like uh, Pete Doctor, uh, like, because this is the first thing he's done since then. He kind of like really, he he took the same, the similar idea of Inside Out where he's like, well, I think I may have a little bit more to say on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but then just tackled it from a different angle, which I really liked. Yeah. No, um, I, 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 overall, I really liked it. It felt like, uh, it felt like it was trying to be inside out at times, but most of the time it was it was its own thing. It was um, like outside in, <laughs> <laughs> kind of. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, instead of a psychological perspective, it's more of a uh, like not metaphysical. religious perspective. Metaphysical. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. Ooh. Yeah, I was also talking with another friend who watched it for the first time the other day, and one thing he brought up to me that I didn't really think of is he brought up how he really liked that uh, they have Tina Fey voicing uh, Twenty Two. But they really liked how she didn't just put on a kid's voice. She kind of just talked how she would usually talk, but a little more, uh, a little more upbeat. Yeah, a little bit more up, or yeah. not, a, a little bit more plucky. Yeah, plucky pitched. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, cause I, it kind of drives me crazy when I hear adults doing kids' voices, where I could tell, especially when it's a celebrity and it sounds really put on. Yeah, unless you're mm-hmm. a voice actor, right? Like yeah. a professional yeah. voice actor. Yeah, if you're like Nancy yeah. Cartwright or um, uh, Matt and Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, I think oh, it's all both. And again, it's also because I, <laughs> then again, I also know that uh, maybe it's because I'm so familiar with their voices as like Stan and Kyle. That yeah. Had... yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anything else, Lucas? Uh, that's that's everything I finished. <laughs> Fantastic. Right on. Um, you know what? I'll go next. Uh, we'll let, right. Liam, we'll let Liam round out the ingestion. Um, so I watched two uh, Academy Award nominee films, uh, one of which was a winner. Uh, and that is hey. Nomadland. Uh, so directed by Chloe, Chloe Zhao and uh, starring Francis McDormand and a bunch of old people. And uh, <clears throat> it's it's very good. It's a very good film. Um, it's a very good film where jack shit happens. Uh, <laughs> you could essentially call it uh, Francis McDormand wanders around the desert for two hours. That is not to its detriment. Um, because there are many moments that are holy shit are they impactful it's a very well written script and 
even then some of the moments you can tell her are not scripted and those are real people telling their real story and sometimes that it's it's gut-wrenching you know to like hear not in a bad way like in a tearjerker kind of way and uh i'm very excited to see what Chloe Zhao comes out with next she's doing the eternals yeah. yeah, I know oh, she's okay. been getting a lot of traction lately just around the indie circuit and like yeah. even before uh, Nomadland was coming out I believe she, she was had, really I believe she had directed two movies prior I could be wrong yeah, I just I just knew that she was one of those names I was starting to get starting to get talked up a lot like kind of uh before uh like I kind of like when I went to go see uh Prisoners back when it came out I didn't know who Denis Villeneuve was I just heard that uh he was starting to get talked up around like the Quebec scene and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so she's she also won uh, best director yesterday uh, at the Oscars. Oh yeah, the Oscars were yesterday. For those of you that are watching, we we mm-hmm. yeah, we'll talk. I learned about, about that, that, that this morning. Yep. <laughs> um, which we'll talk about in a, in a hot minute. But um, yeah, so she's the first one of the first women to win uh, best director as well as a person of color. She's the uh, second woman to win uh, best director yeah. and the first, first uh, Asian, uh, uh, what is it, Asian American uh, woman to win. Yeah, hmm. which is pretty great. Um, and the direction of that movie, rightfully so. As best picture, I'd have to see the other ones to gain like a little bit more of an opinion. I was a little shocked. Uh, not, not again, not about. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, this makes sense because it's a beautiful film. It's very well shot, um, incredibly well performed, and the direction is fantastic. The script is really great, which I guess are all the pillars and the editing. So she edited too. Uh, Chloe Zhao also directed it. I'm sorry, uh-huh. edited it, and she also was nominated for best editor. Um, oh wow! Yeah. Anyway, for a lot of hats. Yeah. Oh yeah. And Got nominated for a bunch of them. Just so she was pulling every, a. Every she was doing like full, uh, as Robert Rodriguez calls it, mariachi filmmaking. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> Which is funny because those are all the pillars that make up Best Picture. But sometimes mm. all those things that come together don't necessarily equal Best Picture. Anyway, it was very good. I really appreciated it. I liked, I liked Frances McDormand's performance. She's, she's a fucking powerhouse. Even if she's just playing what I assume is just her. <laughs> you know, like, I don't, <laughs> she's just kind of an old lady. <laughs> you know, um, even at the Oscars last night when she won the look on her, the moment she won, cause Frances McDormand also won for, uh, the best female actor, sorry, best female actor. And, uh, the look on her face when she won, she kind of was like, I don't deserve this. And then she was like, Oh wait, wait a second. Holy shit. I just won an Oscar. <laughs> um, and then she like, like goes up on stage and then basically her speech was two sentences and then she walked off and I was like, that's how you do it. I yeah. feel like she's going to be like, uh, do you think Frances McDormand will become like the next, obviously not to the same degree, but like uh, Meryl Streep where the Academy kind of starts to grandfather her award a little bit. Yeah. And they're just like, and just mm. where she's like this, she gets to a point where even she's like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Please stop giving me this. <laughs> it's like, Oh, you were in a movie. Have an Oscar. <laughs> yeah. That should just be like, they should, they should just have like the Frances McDormand award. The, <laughs> yeah, the Meryl Streep award. Who can win that? Meryl Streep can win that. Yeah, you know. if she's in a movie, she wins it. <laughs> yeah. That's, That's it. it. Or at least gets nominated, even yeah, when yeah. she's in fucking movies like End of the Woods. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I also watched The uh, Sound of Metal, and... Ooh. Ooh. I really want to watch it. It's so fucking good. It, I, it's a damn near perfect film. Damn near perfect. It won for Best Sound, which is ironic, 
considering it's about a deaf man. Um, but there are many moments in that movie where there's just no sound. And then suddenly there'll be like the mixing and everything is just really, oh, Lucas, you froze in a very funny way. I can't wait for that to be in the show. Oh, there it goes. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, the mixing is fantastic and the editing is fantastic. But um, yeah, uh, what's his name? Riz Ahmed? Riz Ahmed. Uh, puts on, I, I always forget that guy's English. I always forget. Um, <laughs> that's so good of an actor he is, you know? And it also has Olivia Cook, who was in Ready Player One and, and uh, a number mm. of other things. Uh, she's much better here than she was in that movie. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Uh, but basically what it's about is a metal drummer who goes deaf and then has to go, and he's also a recovering addict and he has to go to, uh, this school slash recovery center for people who are, who are deaf, who are also drug addicts. Um, which is a thing because a lot of people who become deaf revert back in, because it's such a traumatic experience, right? So they revert back into their addictions. Um, my only complaint, literally the only thing that I'm complaining about, is about halfway through the movie, we just kind of jump three months, and there's really no like explanation for it. That's not to its detriment. Just for me, I was like, oh, okay, suddenly he can just sign. And I wish I had seen that journey, personally speaking. I know other people, not that's not what they're there for. Um, I wish I had seen him learn how to sign. So early on in the movie when he's learning how to sign or in the rooms with other people there's no subtitles there's just people signing and there's no subtitles for him and he has no idea what the hell is going on and then when he learns how to sign suddenly there's subtitles mm. which is a great directorial choice an editing choice because that means the character has learned therefore the audience is allowed to learn yeah right yeah and cool. then you gain really that smart. yeah you gain that that introspection and uh nah it's great. It gives me goosebumps. I know they also froze it. I know. Well, Riz Ahmed obviously is uh, was it is not deaf, but no. they. Uh, fro- I've been told that they did uh, was did as much as they could to employ uh, actors who are uh, deaf or hearing impaired to Liam, uh, come in and help. Eighty percent of that cast are are people who are hard of hearing or deaf. Yeah, it was uh, brought. Yeah, it was uh, brought to uh, my attention just the other day. I didn't. I was it. I didn't realize that that was the case. Yeah, the people which, who who are of hearing, it's obvious that they are of hearing it doesn't bother me that Riz Ahmed personally speaking be, was playing a person who was hard of hearing slash deaf um because like I said he learns how to how to be that way so the movie kind of teaches you that you can learn how to be deaf and I mean that in a very very positive like if you become deaf you can learn how to sign you can learn mm-hmm. how to become mm-hmm. deaf right and it's it's very powerful it's a very powerful film um it doesn't end the way you think it'll end uh, in in a way, um, but it's, yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful film. Um, anyway, so that's great. Uh, I also watched Men in Black last night because fuck it. Uh, <laughs> love Men in Black. It's so great. It's one of the. It's just. It's so, it's so good. Honestly, also, I got fuck all to say about it because it almost every out. single scene is just a banger, and Will Smith is so goddamn funny. Him he and is. Tommy Lee Jones also just work mm. off each other so well. Like mm-hmm. that movie they would do. not have worked they, as well if it weren't for those guys. They, Tommy, have, they have such good chemistry. Oh, it's fantastic. Even I like all three of those movies. I know Liam doesn't like the second one. I like all mm-hmm. three. I'm only saying there's three men in black movies. There's only three men in black movies. <laughs> um, um, international. Oh, count. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was going to. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Men in black is also. Should. 
Men in Black is also, at least uh, a lot of people have started to talk about it. It's kind of important. It's kind of an important film because it kind of, because Hollywood was kind of in a slump throughout uh, the late, the mid 90s or mid to late mm. 90s. It was 98, and in, right? Uh, 97. 97. And uh, Men in Black uh, came out uh, and uh, it was just a, such a breath of fresh air, fresh air, because that same year we were getting shit like, pretty sure that's the same year we got uh, Zilla uh, mm-hmm. or. Um, we got two volcano movies, two um, <laughs> two uh, meteor movies, <laughs> and then here you get a movie with uh, Vincent D'Onofrio talking like this the whole time. <laughs> and then, that's another that's another uh, killer performance in that movie. He's so good. <laughs> and then you have Tommy Lee Jones covered in goo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he doesn't he doesn't skip a beat in that moment. Like you think yeah. you could probably tell on set he was like, I don't want to get in that fucking goo. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, and then uh, what's his name? Soddenfeld was just like, "Look, Tommy, I'm not going to give you the five million fucking dollars you're here for. <laughs> I'll fine. I'll fucking cover myself in goo." <laughs> uh, anyway, great movie. I, I fucking love it. I also watched um, uh, what I I believe will become Academy Award winner uh, of 2021. Uh, is uh, Mortal Kombat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Liam, did you end up watching it? No, I haven't gotten around to it yet. Holy shit. It's so bad, but <laughs> fuck is it fun. <laughs> I know, Bad in all the right ways. Yeah, I know a lot of people are really shitting on it because they thought, I, I, I don't think people knew what you were getting. They mm. wanted more. They wanted like a serious Mortal Kombat movie. And I was like, you're making a fucking Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah, why? It's well, not going to be serious. I've, the biggest criticism I've heard about it that follows a lot of movies like this is they... Uh, one of my friends watched it, and he said the fact that they they make the, your eyes in character just somebody who they created, and he's like the least interesting person he's to so follow. Boring. And he's like... He's so boring. And he said like... Uh, and he said it also sucks because you have... um, uh, His name escapes me, but he's... Uh, was it the guy playing Scorpion? who is like a uh, super well-renowned uh, martial artist and actor in Japan. Yeah. Who the whole movie you're led to, you're you're like, the movie tries to make it a surprise that he's Scorpion at the end. And you're like, you, he does the moves at the beginning of the movie. It's not a shocker that he's going to be Scorpion at the end. Um, <laughs> there was no reason for any of it. And I was there for it the whole time. The, the Some of the fight scenes are just so gory and, they also some of it is just so cringy and how they add in the Mortal Kombat lines. Like there's a bit where Kano uh like kicks the shit out of somebody and he just goes, Kano wins. Which is a line from the from the games, right? And then like there's other moments where it'll be like finish him or like fatality. And I'm just like, I don't fucking care. I, I this is this is two hours of cutscenes and I want every single second of it. I want a sequel. So bad. <laughs> I'm going to spoil it for you because the end of the movie, our main guy's name is Cole. And uh, he's uh, he's like a UFC uh, cage fighter. And he, his, at the end of the movie, this guy walks up to him. He's like, all right, all right, Cole, we need you to we need you to fight tomorrow. And he's like, sorry, man, I'm done with fighting for $200 a day or whatever. And he's just like, oh, yeah, where you going? He's like, I got to go to Hollywood. And then he... <laughs> The camera like pans away and then pans over to a poster and it's just like Johnny Cage. (laughs) And then it just cuts to black. And I was like, that's exactly how you should have ended this. And I'm fucking okay with it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's not great. Um, And last but not least, I did watch the Oscars. Uh, So I do, well, most of them. Um, So 
I think the biggest thing that I wanted to talk about is uh, the snub that was Chadwick Boseman losing. Um, Liam, you had said John Tasker, friend of the show, had mentioned something um, that I think, yeah, you, you, you could paraphrase it better than I could. All right. Uh, so I was talking with uh, John after uh, I wasn't watching the Oscars just because I didn't get around to I hadn't gotten around to seeing any of the films nominated yet. Some of them I tried to find, but and I wasn't able to and just uh, with work getting busy again. Uh, but so essentially, uh, we talked, I was talking to him about, uh, why Chadwick didn't win. And he's like, uh, cause the Academy's racist. I'm like, uh, yeah, but it's not the reason why I think that's not the only reason why I think it is. It's because the Academy from its conception is cowardice, or at least has proven itself to be unbelievably cowardice in recent years. And I think the reason why they didn't is because, uh, they so uh, they always so desperately do whatever they can to just always try to slightly appease everybody's racist uncle. Yep. Um, and uh, they went off, and uh, they were. I feel like they had this thought in the back of their mind where they're like, "Oh, we'll get backlash because everybody will be like, oh, the only reason he won is because uh, was that he's black and he died.' Kind of like how everybody makes fun of us for uh, uh, was it we only gave thinking we only gave Heath Ledger his Oscar because he died. And uh, to which uh, I told John that. And again, I think, and he said to me, he's like, so what? The, uh, the, it's, cl- it's been clear over for so long that the Academy isn't interested in actually rewarding people for good work. It's more so about cel- celebrating people for what they've contributed. Yeah. It's an honor to be, yeah. to win an Oscar. You're not being awarded anything. You don't win any money. Like to my knowledge, you don't get any money for winning an Oscar. I know, I know, I know the losers get like a gift bag that can be worth like tens to hundreds thousand dollars. But here are five Apple watches. <laughs> <laughs> Better luck next time. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I'd rather have the, the ten thousand dollar. I think gift it's bag than the golden statue. Yeah, also shitty because in the past, uh, well, especially a few years ago, the Academy has had a notorious reputation for. Uh, what is it for uh, enabling and awarding very bad people? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Which didn't really happen this year to my knowledge. Um, there were a couple that was like, oh yeah, that's an obvious win. Like uh, best short, best animated short film went to uh, um, if anything happens, I love you. Right. Which have either of you seen that? Uh, no, oh, I haven't. Oh, if you saw it, you would know why. Um, I mean, it, if I'm... you want to cry for a good 15 minutes, that's the movie you watch. Um, it's about gun violence, essentially. Ah. Um, okay. but then, the, you know, soul one, you know, of all the, of all the movies that were in there, I have only seen soul and, um, onward soul kind of made sense, you know? Um, and I knew soul was going to win score. Like, yeah. Just, Hmm. Uh, oh yeah, um, yeah. Once and more. I knew um, that. Um, and I I hadn't seen the movie yet, but I knew just from talk around that uh, Daniel Kaluuya was gonna win uh, best supporting for Judas and the Black Messiah. Even though he did make a joke about fucking his mom to get there, very weird. Um, don't I just look it up. Okay. Um, but uh, so one thing was, uh, Anthony Hopkins won for best actor, best male actor at the end there, and the way it so. I, there's this TikTok account that I follow. His name's Straw Hat Goofy, and he he he's a person of color. And he was discussing why he feels that Chadwick got snubbed. And part of it was that the Academy used Chadwick as a tool to gain people's attention for the Oscars. 
Every mm. single person in attendance at the Oscar received a, a, a Chadwick Boseman NFT for being there. Every single person. He was his his mom. Um, was interviewed at the beginning of the Oscars and was hyping him up. The leader of the Academy at the beginning was just talking about Chadwick the whole time. They mentioned him several times. He was the last person in the in memoriam, everything. And then they moved around the awards and made Best Actor the last award, which is very fucking weird. It's usually Best Movie. Uh, And the last one was Actor. And... It just was leading up to Chadwick was going to win. And then they pull the cart curtain out from everybody and just like, nope, nope, fuck you. And it's just which is very more, incredibly which, disrespectful. I yeah. think it's more despicable yeah. than what, than the moonlight scenario that happened a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, like whenever uh, like over has been a mistake. I'm like, no, you set this up right from the start. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this was, it's a hoax. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it just kind of, it just makes, it's it's bad taste. It leaves a bad taste in your mouth, right? And mm-hmm. also, the Oscars just kind of ended. Just they like because Anthony Hopkins wasn't even there, and uh, Joaquin Phoenix is just like the Academy would like to accept this award on behalf of Anthony Hopkins. Cut to Questlove, who's doing the music for the whole thing. Which again, no orchestra. It's like they tried to make the 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 Oscars incredibly hip and young, and whatever. And then it's just like. Cuts to Questlove, and he's playing, like, working nine to five. And then, because there's no music, he would just, like, play, like, remixes of songs. And then he's just like, thanks for coming to the Oscars. Boom, credits. And I was like, this is fucking weird. Um, anyway, uh, the other thing, the one thing that I did want to mention that I liked was that they were shot like a movie and made to feel like you're not watching a TV show. You're not watching a boring award ceremony. You're watching a, a movie. I appreciated what they were going for. I think they can perfect it in years moving forward. I get what they were trying to do to engage new people and make it interesting. Like you're flipping through the channels like, oh, what the hell is this? And then you get sucked into watching the Oscars and you're like, ah, fuck. Which I appreciated. Um, one thing that was misleading was that they they promised that the Oscars were going to be free um, on their YouTube channel as far as I know, and they were not. Um, they are free on their YouTube channel as of May 2nd, which is like, Give me a uh, fucking break. Okay, <laughs> like, just make it free on like, the day. You guys are always complaining about how you don't get enough viewers and trying to compensate for it. Hey, you know what would be make it amazing? Oh, uh, you know what would bring in viewers? Making it whole, uh, was it universally accessible? Yeah, agreed. Yeah. yeah. And also stop being pretentious fucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> I'd love to see at least one horror movie, one real horror movie. Not to say other ones. Yeah. Like Midsummer got snubbed. We're going to talk about that. But uh, <laughs> um, anyway, that's it. That's my, that's my ingestion. All right. Uh, So uh, first thing I'll talk about, uh, just because I've been talking about it a lot on the show. um, I'm about half or a little over halfway through the last Uncharted game. Enjoying it. Um, I'm still to the opinion of with each one, I feel like they're upping themselves and it's just and they just keep getting better and better. Show over more. I was capable of this one surprisingly has some emotional depth, which uh, uh, was it which I'm really digging, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll get back more to it when I finish because again I can't really talk fully about something when it's not done. Mm-hmm. Um, I always found the 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 marketing for uh, Uncharted Four to be really strange because like the first three are just like swashbuckling adventure games, right? There's not a whole lot that's like that that's like heavy about those. Uh, well, in the third one, uh, they kind of start to get there with uh, Nate's relationship with Sully. Mm, yeah but like but like it's generally like the tone is generally pretty upbeat and exciting 
right? Yeah. Like, and then suddenly the marketing. I think I think it was one of the first things that came out for uh, Uncharted Four. It was like this, uh, like sign, like swinging in the wind, and it was creaking, and everything was like, re- like, like really dark and creepy, and it was. I was like, "What? <laughs> what am I what, playing? What, what happened?" Yeah. <laughs> oh no. But, uh, marketing aside, this one does still. It has more seriousness or whatnot, but it does still have the fun. Like they never lose any of that. Mm. Um, and uh, like, is uh, how do I? Uh, was it this one follows essentially? Uh, turns out Nathan Drake is a brother. Oh yeah. And it follows mm. uh, those two, uh, and we're going after a uh, something they promised to find when they were kids, which is. Uh, a pirate ship that Francis Drake apparently was going after. So <laughs> this one's pirate themed, which I'm always a sucker nice. for. I it's love just that so funny. shit. It's nice. just like, that would be a thing that kids would want to go find, you know, one eyed <laughs> Willie's treasure. Yeah. We also know about, we also uh, have more context as to how, uh, uh was a Drake. Isn't actually his birth name oh, and how we, okay. and how he put it on him and how uh, they named themselves after uh, Francis Drake. Cause they kind of had to start their lives over. Hmm. That's not their dad. No, Francis Drake is a famous uh, adventurer who uh, searched for a lot of uh, uh, what is it, uh, mythical places during the uh, like a real yeah. human uh, being. I don't, th- I don't think, I don't think he's a real human being. But oh, like, like right. in the games, in the games, he's like yeah. he, he was like said to be their ancestor or whatever. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, but no, uh, we learn a little bit more about the circumstances that uh, and their association with him. Hmm. Um, uh, the set pieces, as always, very. Uh, like, I mean, despite the fact that they're so impractical and anybody would be fucking dead, it's kind of has that Fast and the Furious thing where I'm like, oh, I don't care. Yeah. 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 In fact, I still kind of wish some movies would, uh, like, even just the way they're playing, they're so cinematic, but it almost feels like it's an act, it's a, what was it? It's, it's an action scene from a Bruckheimer film that you could play. Mm. Um, And I kind of wish uh, we could do more, like, wide, like, I mean, Aquaman got pretty close to uh, doing what they, I don't know, Lucas, you understand what I'm talking about, just with like, the way the so, camera yeah, yeah. follows them. And like, mm-hmm. there's always something going on in frame, trying to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, um, again, overall, I'm enjoying it. Uh, second thing is, uh, after uh, last time we recorded, um, uh, what is it? Because I'm trying to get back into anime, which is I watched the first two episodes of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Not bad so far. <laughs> I, I always wait for Liam to do the his his three second review after we just nod along. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's um, I mean I, I've I've heard I've heard a lot about how Evangelion is like a lot of people see it as like a masterpiece. And it's it's like mostly pretty typical like mech uh uh like story for the most part and then like in the last like quarter or whatever it becomes like a deconstruction or something that's that's literally all i know about yeah it's Japan. uh yeah no uh Robot so i've Jesus. only seen i've only seen the first few episodes or the first two episodes and i can definitely see how it has potential to be something that i would truly love and like uh be really and like be the groundbreaking show but i've told it's been but it so far it's mainly just setting things up uh as per usual like with uh, what is it? Uh, was it with a lot of animation that comes out of Japan? It's pretty damn impressive, and I can also see a lot of the influences that uh, it left on uh, other things that we did over here. Right. Like I can see a lot of the influence it left on Pacific Rim. Oh, mm. for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. And like, uh, I like how the uh, the angels aren't like uh, 
were more like how I would imagine angels being, at least of a way uh, I've always interpreted them in the, like, because we're, we're not like Alvearmo's old paintings of like halos on her head and big wings. Sometimes yeah, they're, they're, like they're, they're like creatures. Yeah, they're like, a th- like a thousand eyes or something. Oh, yeah, some, yeah, of, yeah. some of them are creatures of absolute, just vi- of absolute vileness. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, uh, uh, what is it? It's kind of like how uh, there's that joke in Dogma with uh, the shit demon. Where uh, that is, there is technically in Catholic Dogma a similar type of demon. That's a uh... giant poop monster. Yeah, where it's like just a demon of unpleasantness. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how they interpret in Dogma, they interpret it as a demon of literal shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love it. But no, uh, again, I can't really say too, too much because, um, again, I only watched the first two episodes thus far. Um, but I plan to keep watching. Radical. This uh, this conversation reminded me of me of something that I, I I sort of watched. I watched watched the first couple episodes of that Pacific Rim anime on Netflix. Oh yeah, could not that's get into now. it. No, that's fair. <laughs> oh. Sorry, sorry, look, I cut you off, Liam. My bad. I didn't know that that was out now. Yeah, 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 it's out. Um, and the last thing I watched is a movie that was added to Netflix recently because I had the same circumstance Lucas had with a movie watching a movie that we'll talk about later, which is uh, I needed a palate cleanser. <laughs> Um, so I decided to watch a movie that I had kind of heard on and off about, but it's a movie called, uh, Love and Monsters. Oh yeah. 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 It was nominated for, uh, CGI or, uh, visual effects. Yes. Which, uh, <laughs> it definitely earned that nom because they put their all into it. Like, uh, that's, those are some of the coolest, uh, CGI creature effects and designs that I've seen in a while. Real quick. I sent Liam a video today that was just like, uh, cause Tenet won visual effects. And mm-hmm. uh, I sent Liam this video that was just like how Tenant won visual effects. And it's just like the scene and it's just being played forward. And then somebody just like right clicks on it, hits reverse. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> anyway, there were but, genuinely some pretty impressive uh, effects in, I believe in, in Tenet. I believe but it. like, okay. <laughs> um, but essentially, uh, love and, the premise to Love and Monsters is uh, uh, it's set in a not specified somewhat distant future where um, essentially a meteor was about to hit earth. Uh, the go- world's government shot a bunch of missiles at it. Um, but, and uh, they thought everything was fine, but then the fumes from the missiles and the chemicals came down and mutated both pretty much all of the animal and plant life. So now there's a bunch of monsters all over the place and everybody has to live underground. And our main character, Joel is kind of this awkward, uh, like not particularly like, not particularly great at anything. Like he knows how to fix for radio. He knows how to cook, but he can't fight monsters because he just freezes. Like he can't do any, like he just panics and he almost gets eaten. Okay. Um, and uh, feeling like completely worthless, he decides to leave his under his colony as we're called these underground, uh, uh was it groups to go find, uh, uh, was it to try and reconnect with uh, his old girlfriend who uh, he uh, was, it who we got separated with right when the world started to go to shit. And it's predictable. It's kind of a by the numbers. Like, you know where it's going to go as it go. How do I? It turns, how was it? It doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it turns it pretty well. Oh, okay. Right on. Um, And like, uh, just kind of a fun and things that he gets into on the way. Like he gets a dog. Um, He meets uh, Michael Rooker and uh, young Gamora who nice. are uh, little, who are survivors. Is it a comedy? Uh, It's a... Uh, it, it has a similar tone to something like it's kind of like it's a comedy the way Zombieland is a comedy, just not as crude. I see. Like this is one mm. families can watch. Um and like uh so again, it's not like one, violent or anything. 
Uh, it's not super violent, no. Again, like it was meant to go to theaters last year, but due to a pandemic, they just caved and uh, put it on VOD. Right. Um, but no, the biggest things that I took away from it are that one, despite it kind of uh, being be uh, what is it, uh, been there, done that, or like predictable, like, and I could tell where they pulled homages from. Like, there's a fair bit of stand by me in there. Mm-hmm. Um, is that it did it well enough where it kind of made me care and it was relatable enough, but I was like, all right. Yeah. All right. Fair. And, fair, uh, fair. and, uh, also it made me realize that I actually really like Dylan O'Brien as an actor. I don't know Dylan O'Brien. Yeah. I'm not he's, sure. He's a maze familiar. runner. Oh, uh, that kid. Okay. Yeah, he's actually really charming and likable. He's kind of oh, awkward, nice. but he's not overbearing. Like I could find somebody like say Tom Holland where like, mm. they're just always doing this really high pitched voice and like panicking every two seconds. Oh, uh, yeah, what yeah. is it? Like, uh, he's, Oh, was it like he just has a really likable presence and i'm also happy that he's kind of that his career is continuing given he had a uh, uh when he was making one of the maze runner movies he had a near-death accident where they had to shut down production for like uh, almost right. a year right um but no like uh, if this is any indication on where he's going i think he could become like a, a what is it a real like a really a, a kind of a movie star almost like i really liked him nice um yeah. and again i was Again, I was just shocked that I liked this movie as much as I did. It was just genuinely a lot of fun. I will have to check it out, especially after yeah. all these fucking Seagal movies. <laughs> um, anything else, Liam? Uh, no, that covers it. All right, let's jump into our suggestions for this week. Uh, Lucas, do you have? All right, um, my my uh, my uh, recommendation this week is another YouTube channel, as is pretty common for me. Um, there's a channel called Unlearning Economics on YouTube. Um, basically it's this guy, uh, who, um, he's like a British economist. Uh, he's anonymous cause he doesn't want what he says on his YouTube channel to hurt his career as an economist, as an economist, but like largely just questioning and interrogating like, uh, lots of modern, um, economic concepts and, uh, and stuff like in- including perspectives from the right and from the left, like mm. trying to take a more realistic look at, e- uh, at economics. And while I don't always agree with the stuff he says, uh, he's, Obviously, he obviously knows what he's talking about. A lot smarter than me. So, uh, you're pretty fucking it, it, smart. I don't know about that. <laughs> wicked smart, Lucas. You wicked smart. <laughs> uh, it's, it's 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 his delivery. His uh, is is a little dry, to be honest. But like, uh, economics is a very complicated subject. So I kind of <laughs> let it pass. Uh, it's really interesting. Uh, I recommend it. Right on, Liam. What do you got for us today? Um, I've talked about this movie before in the past, but I couldn't think of anything to recommend, so I'm going to recommend it. And uh, that movie is one of my favorite comedies. Thank you for smoking. Ah, uh, yes, I believe you recommended it a long time ago. Did I? Yes, we did. Oh, we, Ray, Ray, we did when an we locked down or something. We, uh, or, we or not an episode we, on it, but I was. We did a cool uh, war involving it. Ah, uh, mm. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have talked about it a couple times, but I don't think it's been a recommendation. You know, I think why I recommend it and why it holds up as one of my fa- favorite comedies is mainly just because uh, it's a movie that can never be made today. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Especially with the way our media is. Um, mm-hmm. And also it takes something, it plays its cards just right in a way where like it says some things that could potentially be a little dangerous, but they they frame it and play it in, way, in a way that works just right. Like Lucas has talked about how the main character is essentially Ben Shapiro. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and like he's promoting uh, what 
should be obvious, which is smoking is or is not good for you. Um, <laughs> but they may, but like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, it's very, it's very funny and very satirical, but it's also very sincere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it's probably my favorite uh, Jason Reitman film, or at least out of the ones I've seen. He's done a few that I haven't watched. Right. Cool. Hey, it was either me recommending that or shoot him up. Well, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not discrediting your recommendation. I'm not put. it's it, accurate. Big year. I know you're going to fucking have something to say about mine. Uh, <laughs> mine is a little masturbatory. So uh, please bear with me. And Liam, <laughs> if you fucking call me out on this, I'm going to be so pissed because where else am I supposed to advertise this shit? Um, I put out some music today. Hey. So, well, it came out today. Uh, so today is uh, April 26th. But what you can do is you can go to any of your uh, favorite music streaming platforms uh, and you can look up Harga Descending, like the band, or sorry, like the movie uh, Midsummer. Harga, H-A-R-G-A. I had to think about that. Uh, descend, <laughs> descending is in going down. Uh, and uh, the album is called R.I.P. Space Wizard. Uh, it's 20 tracks that actually I recorded uh, in 2018, I believe. Uh, so they're old. They're old old tracks, but uh, very sim- proto. I'd call them proto-harga. Uh, but they're basically just like weird, uh, spacey, indust- not industrial, like noise, ambient music. So... Get, get into that. Uh, there's one song that I think Liam would actually really like uh, because it has a Donnie Darko um, sample. So anyway. <laughs> so those are, re- are two recommendations and one splooge in your face uh, <laughs> 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 uh, for this week. Um, be sure to go and check out all that stuff in the uh, description down below. So in, in lieu of our typical hey, listen to us talk for five seconds while we are on break. You're going to see a scene from, or you're going to see a clip from Above the Law. So get ready for that. You're going to watch Hot Trash in five seconds here. Uh, we're probably not going to get a copyright strike because it's right in the middle of our shit. So we'll see. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so here's a clip from Above the Law. There was no cherry bomb. That was C4. I've used that shit. I know what it smells like, and I know what it blows like. All right, welcome back to the Thundercast. <laughs> no, wait, hold on. Let me do that again, but this time I'll do it like Steven Seagal. Welcome back to the Thundercast. <laughs> welcome back to the Thundercast. Welcome back to the Thundercast. Welcome back to the Thundercast. That's right, everybody. Today we are talking about Steven Seagal, regretfully. Um, in our action-o-thon, uh, I don't know why. I think what we wanted to do was we wanted to set the bar real fucking low so that our next one, which is uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, which, oh, yes, mm. spoilers. Our next episode is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, <laughs> will actually mean something. Uh, mm, mm-hmm. So we watched <clears throat> three Steven Seagal movies. Please pray his, for our souls. His uh, first movie, his, uh, mo- his the one everybody likes the most, and the, wa- and the one he directed. That's right. So we watched mm-hmm. Above the Law. Under Siege, and On Deadly Ground. I think we'll start with Above the Law, as it was his first movie. Okay. Also, before we really get into this, I do want to make one statement, which is that, remember, what is so we're going to get probably pretty mean on this episode. Oh, very mean. (laughs) So uh, here's the thing. We're going to bully bully Steven Seagal in this episode. um, And uh, so remember a few episodes back when we did the Zack Snyder one? 
And I was kind of being a little, I was like, you know what? I've never, I feel kind of bad talking about him that way because I have, from the people he's worked with and a lot of the stuff he's done recently, I haven't heard anybody say anything negative about him personally. Mm-hmm. In Seagal's case, we have the exception of war criminal Vladimir Putin. I have literally <laughs> never heard anyone say a positive thing about the guy. No, 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 not What an all. introduction, though. <laughs> like, imagine just being the guy who's like, nobody likes me except for Vladimir Putin. <laughs> and, I, and the Dalai Lama. <laughs> the Dalai Lama, yeah. yeah. What a weird combination of people to have like you. Yeah. <laughs> oh and, and maybe some of, uh, what is it? Uh, where where was he a, a reserve deputy sheriff? Uh, Jefferson Parish, Louisiana. Yeah, so he's also a, a, a deputy for some reason, which mm-hmm. uh, for the past 30 years, I've been making my life as a movie star. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, I'm not sure if you it. guys know, I'm not sure if you guys know this, but mm-hmm. I may make a living on the Thundercast, <laughs> but for the past 20 years, I've also been a cop. Like, no, you fucking <laughs> haven't, you goof. Um, yeah, Imagine so Liam as a cop. Oh, my God. Liam would be... <laughs> actually, I think Liam would be an okay cop. I don't think he would flex his muscles too hard. Liam would be one of those, Liam would be one of those rough-around-the-edges cops who, mm. who uh, risks it all for a woman in, in a hail of bullets. Uh, I would be a terrible <laughs> cop. I, somebody would be like, oh, what is it? I'm not guilty. I'm just in this situation. I'll be like... Yeah, I believe you. So, so Seagal is okay. Let's say he's let's say he's a martial artist. Uh, I I do have one thing from that that a friend cleared up for me. Yes. Mm. Um. He has so he has uh two black belts from what I understand, or a seventh degree black belt in Aikido. Yes, Aikido, which is mm. a very it's a it's a real martial art. It's mm-hmm. a very valid martial art. It's mostly just flipping, isn't it? Uh, it's a martial art that's used to, uh, uh, was it to reflect damage instead of dealing it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and, uh, so I was, it's, there's been controversy as to if it is, does qualify as a real martial art. So I reached out to, uh, one of my friends who has a fairly extensive background and knowledge of martial arts. And this is what he said to me. He said, Seagal is full of shit. Aikido is a martial art the same way Tai Chi is technically a martial art. Ooh. I don't want to piss <laughs> off too many people because a lot of people do consider it a, a legit thing. But I okay. what he mm. said in the sense that uh, Aikido uh, was it in the sense that it's only really effective when applied to another martial art, like when you apply it to like judo or um, uh, was it or kung fu. It's not effect very effective on its own. Fair enough. Uh, mm. Another thing about Seagal is that he is American, Serbian, and Russian, but the Serbian and Russian were only appointed to him in 2016 and 2018, um, respectively, and he was appointed Russia's special envoy to the U.S. Uh, from 1996 to 2018, multiple women accused Seagal of sexual harassment or assault. This guy's a mm. fucking piece of garbage. Yeah, he's, and argue- I, yeah. he's one of the most me-tooed celebrities of that whole movement. Yeah, so he's mm-hmm. he's hot garbage. Anyway, let's talk about a big piece of shit above the law. Uh, <laughs> I could not follow that movie. I didn't even finish it. I, I know. It, I, I try I, to finish every movie we, 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 we say we're going to watch. Mm-hmm. Couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I did finish it, but I was playing video games for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> I texted Liam while I was watching it, and I was like, what the, what the fuck is this? Like, yeah, like what is happening? Like, I don't even I, know. Like Pam, Pam Greer looks like she's having a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. She looks like she's she's there. She's she's in it. Seagal mm-hmm. also. <sighs> no 
cop is like that. No cop. <laughs> I don't care. Like, not. like, like, the, like. There's, there's like the likable renegade cop like trope in movies. And that's uh, fine. That that's a thing that happens. He is just a sh- he's just a shitty cop and an asshole. He's a like, shit, yeah, a- he's a fucking garbage person. <laughs> it's like, there, like there was nothing charming about him. Like because like in Lethal Weapon, for example, Mel Gibson's character is like he, he's 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 obviously like the the renegade cop type. But like he's he's still like charming. There's still like stuff about him that you like. Yeah. And you understand and, why he is the way he is. Yeah, exactly. With Steven Seagal's character in this movie, I don't remember the character's name. Nah. Um, Nico. Nico. Oh, yeah, Nico. <laughs> Oh yeah, he, so, he's so just he's a piece su- of shit. He's supposed to be Italian in this movie. The amount of nationalities <laughs> that Seagal has played is outstanding, and he is none mm-hmm. of them. Just wait till one yeah, day when it, you hear him he, attempt an accent. He's just he's just European, isn't he? Like, he's just he's American, general European. He's born. I mean, like like his heritage. I mean, but oh yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, he claims he's a Russian <laughs> mongrel, but he was born in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, no. <laughs> Not not Detroit, but yes, Lansing, Michigan. Sorry. All right. Ah, uh, okay. Not like that means uh, difference. <laughs> yeah, uh, above the law. Okay, so there there's this opening where he was like a CIA agent, CIA agent, where like he speaks out against somebody torturing like a a, a Viet Cong member, I think. Yep. Um. Uh. And then he kind of gets run off, and then he, I guess, and then it cuts to he's a cop in like Chicago or something. And I then don't at think the that's end, how that works. <laughs> and he was a martial artist before all of that. Oh, yeah. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, like, near the end, like, his CIA, like, one of the guys from the opening scene, like, comes back. And then, like, Seagal spends, like, a couple minutes calling out the CIA. Like, it's like, you guys think you're above the law. And stuff like that. And oh, he said it. it. He said the thing. He said the thing. <laughs> he said the title. Ding. So the only I'm reason so why happy. this... Sorry, sorry, Liam, real quick. The only reason why this movie was made was because... Seagal was talking to one of his like students or something like that, and his student was like, "You know, anybody can become an action movie star." And he was like, "Really? Anybody can become an action movie star?" And he's like, "I'm gonna become an action movie star." And then he runs like this the whole fucking time. Like, you're you're a chicken. You're a fucking chicken. And oh, man. um, we inadvertently watched three Andrew Davis movies for this, by the way. Um, we inadvertently uh, the watched thought that is yeah for the action of mm-hmm. so we inadvertently watched uh, the fugitive above the law and under siege which are all Andrew Davis movies that was completely by accident I should say it was completely by accident but anyway I just I'm so to happy that. Andrew Davis went on to become a fairly competent director yes yeah um oh also Seagal if you couldn't tell this from uh, the opening of a movie where he's like explaining everything he claims that this that this story this movie is inspired by his time of the CIA yeah which uh, his you wife and never. everybody associated with him had said. Yeah, he never did associate. He never did jobs with him or has any Sorry, association. Which, which one of his five wives? <laughs> Whatever one he was married to around that time. Came out um, in 1992. Adrian uh, La Russa. Oh, there you go. Adrian La Russa. Anyway. Um, above the law is... So let's try and summarize it. Sorry, so, not 92. 92 is under siege. Uh, oh, okay. So this would have been later. Yeah, Kelly LeBrock then. Um, so basically the, the premise is he, Nico is a rough around the edges cop who finds out about a drug ring, um, that's hap that's going down in Detroit. Is it Detroit or is it Los Angeles? Who fucking cares? Um, and he's like, I'm going to stop that. 
And how he stops that is he just goes and kicks the shit out of every single person he sees. <laughs> Which sounds like that would be a lot of fun. It's mm-hmm. boring as shit. Yeah. Like, I'm, there's one scene that... We're, you're going to see this scene following this... Uh, oh, no. No, yeah, you'll see this scene following this section here because, again, in lieu of you hearing us speak, you're going to see two absurd scenes from above the law, which happen roughly 45 seconds apart from each other. So there's a scene where Seagal is chasing a guy down, again, running like this, and he manages to catch up to this guy, throws him to the ground, karate chops him in the neck, or rips it out. I don't remember. And then this other big dude is standing on the, on the sidewalk, and he's like, hey, that's my friend. What? What, <laughs> what are the fucking <laughs> odds? And he's like, hey, that's my friend. And then he, this guy walks over, and Seagal just punches him once in the stomach, and then the guy falls down, and Seagal, without a lie, struts. Like, mm, motherfucker. And he struts <laughs> over to these three, three dudes, and he's like, he's like, what's up, my brother? And then the black guy's like, oh, shit, I don't want to fuck me. Fuck off. <laughs> like, I don't want to deal with you. <laughs> and then the scene just ends abruptly. And if that's any indication of how this movie is, then I don't know what is, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, just weird. It's just I very weird. I don't have much else to say other than I really didn't like it and I didn't finish it because I didn't it's, want to. It's mm-hmm. edited really weird. It's uh, You can tell that this is early into Andrew Davis's career. Like we're believe still it's trying, mm-hmm. one of his first films. You can tell he was really trying to figure out like what he's doing. Like Again, you can tell he was fairly new at this. Yeah. Also, like, uh, fun, fun fact, I just looked up Steven Seagal's Rotten Tomatoes page. And Above the Law is his fourth highest rated movie (laughs) at 53%. (laughs) His highest is Under Siege at 79%. Okay. All right. On that note of Under Siege, uh, sorry, I'm just looking at something real quick. On the note of Under Siege, Under Siege is a movie we also watch. (laughs) Uh, I don't have much else to say about the law. Liam, do you have anything else to say about Mm -hmm. Above the Law? Not really. (laughs) Great. I can close the tab. (laughs) <laughs> and never look at it again. Um, so Above the Law, also directed by Andrew Davis. It's the reason why uh, Harrison Ford picked Andrew Davis to direct uh, The Fugitive, a little known fact. Uh, you mean uh, Under Siege? Under Siege is the reason why Harrison Ford picked Andrew okay, Davis okay. to direct The Fugitive, um, which is because he also produced it, I believe. Um, uh, anyway, or it's the reason why he signed on to do whatever, beside the mm. point. Um so Under Siege is about uh, <laughs> same fucking shit. Uh, it's it's <laughs> about it's die, it's die Hard on a battleship. It's Die Hard on a boat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. As far as Die Hard ripoffs go, it's fairly competently put together. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's my second favorite of the three that we watched, uh, and that's not saying much. Um, <laughs> so basically, what it is is uh, Seagal plays uh, what's his name in the movie? It's uh, Casey Shet- Ryback. Yeah, Casey Chef Shet- Petty Officer or Chief Petty Officer Casey Ryback, who is a chef on this boat, but also a former secret Navy SEAL. Um, <laughs> who? So he works on this boat, and the boat is then taken over by uh, Gary Busey, who was one of the right hand man to the the ship's captain or whatever, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones. 
Uh, so Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones are the bad guys in this movie. And and Chief O'Brien from Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. yes, yes. <laughs> so there's some good shit in this movie. That, and and none, none of it involves... Not a single <laughs> scene Seagal. involves Steven Seagal. So okay, we, the, the, final, the, the final fight between Tommy Lee Jones and Steven Seagal is very funny. Okay. Not because it's good. Okay. It's just so, so funny. So this is around the point when I noticed the trend in the Seagal movies that pisses me off, and it's one of my, it's cliche that I hate the most, is when the good guy is unstoppable. Like, yeah. he can't mm-hmm. be fucking killed. Like, yeah. you know he's going to win that fight with Tommy Lee Jones, and also the fight lasts like 45 seconds. Tommy Lee Jones. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, I, so it's, I will bet money that Tommy Lee Jones would honestly win in a fight against Steven Seagal. I, so here's I mean, the, I, real quick, I don't think, so in his prime, I could not kick the shit out of Steven Seagal. Mm. I do feel like the three of us in his prime, we could have kicked the fucking shit out of Steven Seagal. <laughs> the three of us. I really strongly feel like we could have. Um, Maybe. Anyway, so so just I just I know we're skipping to the end of the movie, but it's very important. It starts with like a gunfight and then turns into a fucking knife fight, and yeah. they they're having mm-hmm. a knife fight with each other. And hey, you, I remember you. Yeah, I remember you. How, oh, when was this set up? <laughs> when was this set up? And so they're Never. fighting, and then Seagal manages to get the knife away from Tommy Lee Jones, pops out one of his eyeballs, and then stabs him <laughs> on the top of the head. And yeah. slabs yeah. his face into a computer monitor. Yeah, like, yeah. Overkill, yeah. man. <laughs> Overkill. It's like just because he was way better than you in this movie doesn't mean you have to go that hard. <laughs> in fact, I I think the reason why this is everybody's favorite Steven Seagal movie is because the whole movie is built around Gary Busey and uh, Tommy Lee Jones. So when yeah. Busey, so there is some some points that don't age, that have not aged well. Um, mm-hmm. Though I do. I, I I felt wrong laughing at it, but I think I was just laughing at the absurdity of it. In when uh, Gary Busey comes out in drag and is dancing mm. around, like that's not a hasn't aged well as a joke. It was still humorous knowing that that's Gary Busey, and I feel like that's probably just yeah. what he does in his spare time. This is um, one of the first movies Gary Busey made after his accident. Oh, that explains oh. a lot. That explains a lot. Uh, yeah, that scene was so weird and like random. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, I get, I get that that would probably be a thing that would happen on a ship, oh, like for with sure. a bunch of sailors. Like, sure, cool. Yeah, it was just, it was just in terms of like the movie, it was just kind of like, why? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then he goes upstairs and he kills the captain, and then Tommy Lee Jones is standing there and he's like, "Who is the highest ranking officer in this room?" And then the highest ranking officer stands up and he's like, "Nice to meet you." Shoots him in yeah. the fucking forehead. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, okay. We all knew you were the bad guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you really had to drive that one home. Um, yep. But, yeah, like you said, Lucas, the best parts of Under Siege are the parts where Seagal's not in it. Yeah. Which is quite yeah. frequent, honestly. Gary, yeah, it is. Honestly, it, when, it's, when it's Gary Busey, Chief, o, Chief O'Brien, and Tommy, I don't know the actor's name, I just call him Chief O'Brien, um, and Tommy Lee Jones are, like, together, it's so much fun. His like <laughs> Colmini, Colmini. There you go. Okay. Um, yeah. Like th- those scenes are so much. There, there's a there's a there's a point when uh, Tommy Lee Jones is like talking to someone on the radio, and he like he he uses the call sign Roadrunner, <laughs> and they're, and they're like, you, you call yourself the Roadrunner? He's like, yeah, because I've never been caught. 
Meep, meep. Meep, meep. He quotes Looney Tunes and old cartoons a lot of that movie. Yeah. He does, and I love it. I'm, and I'm, like, the, I'm here Like, there, there was, like, my brain was seriously low on, like, dopamine dur- during, like, this stretch of movies. And then Tommy Lee Jones said, meep, meep. And it all went back up to normal. <laughs> <laughs> Even um, just, like, there's also just so much shit where I'm, like, obviously it's a 90s action movie but this would never happen like locking him in the freezer or <laughs> hey you can't do that without a signature from the captain also he <laughs> says twice while he's locked in that fridge or that freezer or whatever twice he says to the guy who's got him locked in there well you got shit for brains he says yeah. it twice <laughs> it's like i don't feel like seagal was on script for half this movie um, mm-hmm. So there's another character um, uh, named Jordan Tate, who is a uh, Playboy <laughs> playmate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's forgettable, um, but she's a Playboy playmate uh, who Miss July '89, who's mm-hmm. on the boat, who becomes uh, Ryback's partner throughout the movie. And Seagal originally refused to do the movie as he saw her as just like a damsel in distress. But then he's, there was a rewrite and he was like, all right, if she's going to get badass, then I'm in. And so <laughs> she becomes like a badass as the movie goes on. Just like really randomly. Like, yeah. like when, when, like when they first start like working together, she, at some point she says, I have a rule. I don't kill people. And I'm like, I mean, yeah. Like most people have that rule. Lucas, <laughs> the, the, quote, you... the quote is, I have two rules. One, oh, right. I don't date musicians. And two, right. I don't kill people. <laughs> and then at the end of the movie. Like, are those, 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 are very, those are very, like the first one, I guess, is a fine rule. Yeah. But the second one is just a weird rule to have. And that's a, like the general rule. There's a moment at the end where she kills a guy. And Seagal looks her in the face and he goes, next you're going to be dating musicians. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'll make that in, in English. Yeah, next you'll be dating musicians. And I was like, shut your fucking mouth. In case you can't oh uh, tell, there's what uh, was it? There's one very known rule about Steven Seagal, which in case you couldn't tell, he on principle never rehearses. Nope. Nope. He doesn't give is a that, shit. Is that true? Yeah, he, does, <laughs> he like, never rehearses. At this point I mean, in his career, he probably did. At this point in his career, he's probably like, you know, having some fun or trying to be an actor. And then like he mm-hmm. started making money and he was like, I don't, he he I don't saw he saw that there were actual actors on this movie and he's like oh shit <laughs> yeah I mean heard about, <laughs> uh, what is it uh, was it had fun have you not heard about oh, this was right after he was, got banned from Saturday Night Live forever because he refused to have any fun he's the worst he's <laughs> known as the worst host on SNL there's that, even an, wow there's that's, an infam- that's some steep competition too there's an infamous uh thing with uh, Nicholas Cage and Lord Michaels where Nick Cage was back on the show. Because uh, was it after apparently blundered or something? Uh, was he says to Lord Michaels, he's like, oh, I don't know how to do this, guys. It's like we I said something insensitive. You may think that they probably think I'm the biggest jerk ever to be on the show. And Lord Michaels is just like, no, that would be Steven Seagal. <laughs> <laughs> they have buried just about every trace of that it. episode. You can't you find can it. Only, oh, really? Yep. You can oh, only wow. find one sketch with him and Chris Farley, and he managed to make that not funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, what is it? Uh, wow. Peacock. Um, it's the NBC streaming service. Uh, they have every single episode of Saturday Night Live except that one. Wow! There are thousands wow. of episodes of that show, and they're like, like none like, of that. A lot of the a lot of like SNL skits, like maybe should be buried. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and they keep them. They keep. They, they even do, have. They but, highlight them on the website. But they the but they got rid of the yeah. Seagal one. Get rid of Seagal. Wow, I yeah. kind of want to see it now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, me too. 
Um, but so Under Siege yeah. is it's so here's the thing. I didn't hate it too much, but again, mm-hmm. the third time I'm going to mention it. I liked everything but Seagal in that movie because basically everyone else seems like they're just like like making a completely different movie and he just happens to be there. You know, yeah, like 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 everyone else, like that, like a lot of this movie is pretty comedic. Mm-hmm. Like like a lot of these people are like, um, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Like kind of larger than life, like silly caricatures, right? And then Seagal's just Seagal. He's like emotionless and and completely uncharismatic, which is where a lot of like, the humor comes from. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like you 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 put he's the straight man, but he's the straight man who doesn't realize that he's the straight man. You know? Yeah, yeah, he's never he's never reacting to the absurdity around Even when, him, which is like what a straight man's supposed to do. Yeah. But he's 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 acting as if everything is super serious. Yeah. Even ha- even when he's wearing that ridiculous chef hat, he was <laughs> he's taking himself completely seriously. <laughs> oh my seriously. god, I laughed my ass off. And when he builds <laughs> he, when he builds a bomb out of fucking like vodka. <laughs> yeah. If you if you put if you put kerosene and vodka in a microwave, it would not explode like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's no fucking way. And then I also, mean, when... I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how you can like be in that movie and be acting opposite Gary Busey, doing like the, his Gary Busey thing, and not realize that this movie is like largely a comedy. Yeah, exactly. Like, like <laughs> how did he keep a straight face? <laughs> so I do feel like Under Siege would be one of those movies where if if I was at someone's house post-pandemic and everyone was drunk and they were like let's play under siege the drinking game i'd be like i'm fucking in you know <laughs> like I, I could get behind that because it's mm-hmm. it's again it's one of those things where oh, we're like we've already made it very clear fuck steven seagal he's a stupid mm-hmm. piece of shit i don't like you we're bullying you right now <laughs> um but this is one of those things where i would just i wouldn't laugh with him i'd laugh at him in this movie also seagal mm-hmm. if you ever see this for some fucking reason because i feel like you're the kind of guy who searches his name on youtube and tries to find the clips and you're going to try and yeah. take this say, down. say hi to vladimir for us yeah say hi to vlad for us <laughs> you're, also, you're both fucking vampires you. it's very obvious <laughs> yeah we'll, we're gonna beat the shit out of you Steve. <laughs> I mean, we'll have to fight Putin as well. People will, <laughs> I, I don't want to fight Putin. Yeah, no, no, no. He'll kill us. He'll kill us. <laughs> that man was actually in the Secret Service. Yeah, that guy was. <laughs> he was the leader of a fucking he was, KGB. He was actually in a, in, he was actually a fucking spy. I suppose the psychologist yeah. pretends to be. Pretends to be a spy. Um, um, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, you got anything else to say about Under Siege, Liam? Uh, I mean,. Uh, I, outside of Tommy Lee Jones's ridiculous death, I also laughed pretty hard when Gary Busey got blown up. <laughs> it's, but it's funny because it's so anticlimactic. They yeah. just like blow him up and he just looks at the camera, not even like a, oh shit, like eyes bug out like a George Miller movie. He just like looks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, yeah. I think, I think that there's not a whole lot to say about Under Siege. Like, no. Everybody, like, everybody except for Seagal is super fun and charismatic. Yep. Uh, Seagal's very boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I, I think to, to uh, piggyback off something Christian said earlier with like Seagal being like invincible, like he never, I don't, does he ever actually like get hurt no. in his movies? <laughs> like, does he ever no. take a wound? Uh, I, I can't, I can't I mean, remember. Kind of an on deadly ground, but when they're mm. cutting into his back. Mm. Yeah, but that's nothing. Like, yeah, he's yeah, in that like, explosion yeah, there. He, but yeah. in Above the Law, I think there's a couple bits where he gets a couple punches. He takes a couple mm. punches. Yeah, but his, his life is never genuinely in danger. No. <laughs> no. Yeah, he, it's it's like it's like the anti-diehard. At least in these three movies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, those, these are the only three Stephen Seagal movies I've ever seen, and probably without this show, had gone on to never watch one. Agreed. Uh, it's your fault. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why did we do? Why did we choose this? Because we just wanted to. I just wanted to torture myself and Lucas. <laughs> Liam, no, I, and I, 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 I'm not going to leave you out as well. Oh, okay. So I thought Lucas was saying it was my fault. It's actually Liam's hmm. fault. Yeah, it's mostly Liam's yeah, fault. It's, it's Liam's fault. <laughs> Fuck you, Liam. I meant the show in general, but <laughs> yeah, no, this is your fault, Liam. Fuck you. <laughs> um, yeah, that's. There's not a whole lot left to say about Under Siege, really. No, Tommy I mean, Lee that's... Jones is fucking awesome. Uh, uh, Gary Busey is just kind of fun to watch. Yeah, and uh, yep. as far as Die Hard ripoffs go, it's fairly competent. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like a Die Hard ripoff, like without actually being a Die Hard ripoff. Because like the, the the high concept is is very diehard esque, but the hero is anything but. <laughs> Sorry, this I'm just reading on the on the page here. It says director Andrew Davis had previously made Above the Law with Steven Seagal. Davis later said Terry Semmel wanted us to get back together again, saying that St- Seagal was only in the movie for 41 minutes. Tommy Lee was in the movie longer than Steven. It was fine. It was it, it worked out. It was he's like it was yeah. fine. It was fine. It worked you out know, well. well. <laughs> hold on, hold on, movie, hold on. He's, like, he's, he said we had a nice time down in Mobile and a lot of fun making the movie. And it was the movie that got me the Fugitive, so it was worth it. <laughs> None of that sounds like he want he he enjoyed making that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Liam. Yeah, no. Again, I remember I texted Christian while I was watching it. I'm like, for a movie where he's top build, Steven Seagal is not in this movie for a long stretch of time. No, mm-hmm. no. for for the best. Yeah, honestly, the less uh, Seagal is in his own movies, the better. <laughs> Having said that, on Deadly Ground. Which he mm-hmm. made, uh, what is it? He got to make this because the only reason he would star in Under, in Under Siege 2 is if they let him direct, as he called it, his passion project, which oh was an God. environmental action movie. <laughs> so the movie opens with a Steven Seagal movie directed by Steven Seagal, starring Steven Seagal. And I was like, are you fucking Tommy Wiseau? Um, it's literally the opening of the room. It's the same. Steve, thing. I'm calling it now. Steven Seagal is the Tommy Wiseau of action movies. Yeah, I would exactly. Who got a lot more attention? And then the very first <laughs> shot of the movie is an eagle, as <laughs> a bald <laughs> eagle. <laughs> and then it's a helicopter shot, and it's just like, yep. oh, it's like the birds flying. <laughs> and then there's like, oh, look, a polar bear. And it's like, is there meaning to anything you're showing us right now? Uh, <laughs> then the copter lands. Steven Seagal directly frames himself getting out of that copter, looking like the most badass thing possible, giving himself the greatest in- introduction, and then just a average incompetent shot when Oscar winner Michael Caine walks in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so Seagal's first line in the movie is, "How's it going, Hugh?" <laughs> it's not even like a cool line. It's like, "How's it going, Hugh?" And looks like, so basically, the movie is is Seagal plays. Uh, a what's his name? His name is Forrest Taft. Of course, his fucking mm. name is Forrest. A firefighter and blowout specialist with a mysterious past who puts out out oil fires and runs afoul of Aegis Oil, Aegis Oil or whatever. So the movie opens with a with an oil fire going down. Uh, it's a big big thing. Um, and then Seagal's brought in to put it out, and he does. And oh my god. I laughed so hard when he lit his cigarette with the fucking oil fire. <laughs> I was like, I know what I'm in for right now. But yeah, then, yeah, then you, yeah. See, you see, before that, you see Michael Caine. And like you said, Liam, it's like, it opens with his feet. And then we, we 
come up on St- on Steven Seagal's it, face. Like that, and he likes it's like that smoke. scene. In, it's like that scene in the Avengers where you first see Nick Fury when he hops out. He frames it like he's fucking Nick Fury getting yeah. out. Of- and then he's like, "I hope it's not. Uh, I hope uh, you're not piece of shit bosses here." Helicopter door slides open. What'd you say? <laughs> oh, uh, oh shit! Michael Caine's here. Hey. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. I remember also thinking to myself, like, how did Michael Caine get roped into this shit until Lucas cleared up? It's like, yeah, he wasn't getting a lot of offers at that time. Well, the thing, the thing, uh, not necessarily that he wasn't getting a lot of offers. He would just take basically any picture where he was a uh, he was like a main character. Yeah. Like, there's that famous quote from him. Him, he's like, "I never saw Jaws three or whatever, whichever one he was in." Jaws for uh, Revenge. Yeah, I never, I never saw Jaws the Revenge. Um, but I did see the house that it bought me. <laughs> um, <laughs> apparently, I also learned that he replaced Jeremy Irons as a villain. Because what? apparently, even Jeremy huh. Irons was like, "I'm too good for this shit." Yeah, I also, I've also heard another quote from uh, Michael Caine. It's not like exactly applicable to this situation but they're like uh uh someone asked him like how he decides what role he's going to do and he's like okay well uh, i get the script and they tell me what character they want me to play i read the first page and i read the last page if i'm on both pages i do the picture yeah i've heard that too actually yeah that's right um unless it's a unless it's a nolan movie yeah <laughs> then he just shows up yeah as a character named sir michael yeah he's in, also in named Tenet. michael in this movie that's true. That's true. Yeah. He is. Yeah. Also, is it just weird? Is I don't know if this is a me thing, but uh, was it Michael Caine with his clearly fake black hair? <laughs> it's yeah. so bad. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so bad. Um. Okay. So I will say that like the first little bit of this movie is kind of competently directed, and then mm. it just goes like as and I say first couple minutes when the thing explodes and whatever. Uh, like the oil rig explodes, but then they get into the helicopter and he's just like, they're saying how, Oh, it's human error. It's all human error. None of this has to do mm-hmm. with anything. We, we didn't set up any of this, mm-hmm. whatever. Also, uh, Michael Caine's like, I'm the bad guy. Did you know I'm the bad guy in this movie? <laughs> oh yeah. But I'm the bad guy. I don't know if I made that clear. I'm the bad guy. And then, these fucking animals away from me. They stink. Yes. <laughs> um, but then Seagal's sitting there and he's like, well, I just blew up all your evidence. Didn't I? And I, was, and I was like, wait, are you supposed to be the good guy? And it doesn't, yeah. like, I get it's like a redemption story or whatever, but it does <laughs> not feel like that. It just feels like, no. I kind of just feel like killing people today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I uncovered a secret conspiracy within this oil company. <laughs> um, but, okay, so it's up until that point when they get into the helicopter, and I was like, oh, this is trash. Um, <laughs> but then they go to the bar. And you have, oh, I can't remember. He's a, he's the he's the hitman guy from Dumb and Dumber. I can't remember mm-hmm. what his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, also, there's a bear in this movie called Bart the Bear. He, that's the bear. Yep. That, sorry, that's the bear that Seagal fights at one point. Uh, that's also yeah, the yeah. bear from the movie The Bear, which is actually a good movie. I'd recommend watching oh, it. Oh. Okay. Uh, Irvin Kershner's in this movie too. Huh. Wait, really? <laughs> yeah. Yep, Irvin Kershner has a cameo. I'm assuming because Seagal so got random. lazy some. I'm assuming because Seagal got lazy some days that he had to pick up the slack and yeah. hide the camera. Mm. There was three, um, like, uh, what you, media junket scenes, 
And you could tell they just were like, fuck it. We, we need to fill some air. Shoot them all in one day. We need to, we need to fill a day. But, um, okay, so they go to a bar. The bar scene was probably one of my favorite scenes because, one, mm. it's hella racist. <laughs> um, this movie I is was a, pretty <laughs> uncomfortable with how racist it was. This movie's mm. really, really fucking racist towards in, indigenous people. You know, yeah. it's and the, the people of, of Alaska. Mm. And... Specifically Inuit people, I believe. Specifically. Because uh, yep. it's almost like Seagal's like, I'm one of you. And it's like, you're American. You're 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 like not a First Nations individual. I'm no, sorry. at first at first like 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 at first I thought he was trying to like his character was Inuit. Yeah. Like but his character isn't Inuit, but still no. like he's it, it He's trying it, really it hard makes to be. You, it, hmm? He's trying really hard to be. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we're in the bar and there's these pieces of shit who were, um, bullying a man who's maybe had a few too many drinks, but you know, he's, he's a person, he's a first nation individual or sorry, an Inuit individual. And, uh, they're bullying him and Seagal's just kind of watching. And then they're like, what the fuck are you looking at? And Seagal's like, nothing much. And then he goes <laughs> from one side of the bar to the other. That's it. <laughs> he just walks across the bar. <laughs> And then he sits down, and then Hugh, who's like the the guy who was running the um, the oil rig, uh, comes over and sits down, and he's kind of like, you know, it, funny, uh, you said something the other day about me being a good guy, or me always being... Anyway, I fucking hate it. Anyway, um, Seagull then beats up 10 guys. Mm-hmm. All takes, punching just about all of them, or hitting just about all of them in the dick. Almost every single one of them he punches in the, in the balls. One guy he grabs and flips him backward, and <laughs> and the guys and the guy screams my balls. <laughs> <laughs> and then Seagal beats up the guy who was bullying uh, this man, and by by playing this hand slap game, <laughs> which is so stupid. He and, punches him in the gut so hard he like bleeds through his mouth. Yeah, he pukes. Like, <laughs> yeah, he pukes. He's like, what, what was that clam chowder? Um, <laughs> But he pukes, and then the guy's standing up, and he's got blood pouring out of his face. And Seagull looks him in the looks him dead in the eyes, and he says, "What is the, what changes the essence of a man?" <laughs> like you're trying to you're trying to be poetic in this moment. You just kick the shit out of everybody in the bar, and also nobody tried to stop you. No one. Yeah, and and, the, and like the 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 bartender was like, "Don't break anything," and he immediately <laughs> breaks everything. And she like, what a dick. She's behind the bar, and she just goes, "Meh." <laughs> like you're not gonna call the fucking cops on this guy right now yeah really like no they'd all get beat up yeah <laughs> it's, it's invincible um <laughs> then you find out that the oil guys are not great and they're putting in faulty products i the plot it doesn't make any fucking sense they put in faulty yeah. products as a way to prevent or stall this thing happening i don't i couldn't yeah there's like some piece that's supposed to prevent it something exploding or something it's literally called the preventer Mm -hmm. um and like i guess they are faulty and so things keep exploding but they just keep using the same parts because like there's a deadline or something like like they have a they have some sort of contract with the uh, indigenous people in the area and if they don't meet their contract they like get the line they get the land back or something along those lines right so they're trying to meet this deadline uh, it doesn't make very much sense. Nope. Dick all. <laughs> Dick all sense. Yep. Um, and then, basically, so Hugh, I believe his name is Hugh. Uh, whatever. He's, he, anyway, they, they cut off this guy's leg. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Hugh. Using a they just torture this yeah. guy uh, Which, absurdly. 
Mm-hmm. It's a fun scene. Which is tragic <laughs> that that's a fun scene because McKinley, John C. McKinley, uh, plays his name is Mac Gruder. He's McGruber. Um, <laughs> but he he tortures this man and it's oh yeah it's aggressive. It's a lot. They cut off his fucking leg. Um, mm-hmm. And then later on in the movie, they go back to that house and there's no blood on the floor. Um, <laughs> that, that's something I want to say. Uh, uh, John C. John C. McGinley, McKinley, McKinley is that his yeah. name? Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Cox. Uh, like, yeah, John, Dr. Cox. He's he's crazy in this movie. <laughs> like, he's just got the weirdest energy, yeah. but he's having so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah he's, he's, on a, he's on a riot. And honestly, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay. No, with yeah. It. I, I love this character. Yeah. It, it was it was just so strange because like you kind of you kind of I kind of expected them to be like the intimidating psychopath, but like he's not very intimidating, but he is a psychopath. Oh yeah, he's fucking he's insane. Like, yeah, he's insane, but he's not actually that scary. No, like despite it's, the <laughs> fact that John C. McKinley is a uh, tall, very ripped man for his age. Oh, mm. Yeah, he's sca- he's yeah. a big guy. Have you seen Belko Experiment? Uh, I, I haven't. So. No, he's terrifying in it. He's very scary. <laughs> um, but anyway, so. Uh, they then take Seagal to another burning building or thing that's going to be on fire soon. It's faulty. He goes inside and he sees Hugh's dead body there. And he's like, oh no, they're going to kill me because I know something. Mm-hmm. They then blow up the building just as he's getting out with one of the most humorous f- blowing away hu- <laughs> effects I've ever seen. He just, <laughs> so, you know, it's, I don't think it was Seagal, but there's this, this stomp man who's like flying Superman style through the air. <laughs> Uh, they fly away and then there's again, just like you can tell the way that this was written was not written with the Inuit people in mind. It was, and it's Mm. not because they are riding and they see the smoke and their lines are very generic. Yep. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it. Like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. They're very, like Pocahontas. You could tell no thought. You could tell no thought and care was put into the portrayal. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's the, it's the it's the um what's it called the 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 noble savage stereotype. Yes, yep. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Just straight, and and also uh like most most of the actors did seem to be Inuit except for like the main woman who is Chinese. <laughs> yeah, her name's Joan Chen. Yes, yeah, she 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 is Chinese. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Uh, but <laughs> which so, I guess if you're looking for someone who looks kind of Inuit. Chinese is, is like not too far off, but like it's far enough that you'd notice like that person's not in yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, you go ahead, Lee. I was gonna say uh, after that, when he gets taken back and uh, re- spiritually reborn, as I think they called it, there is one frame <laughs> where I laughed my ass off because I was mm. like, "This is fucking ridiculous!" Right as he goes under, when they touch his head with a feather, and he just goes. yeah and then he and then he has this dream sequence that looks like somebody just spit on the lens and then just rub their finger on it because everything's all blurry and there's he like walks into a tent and on one side there's like a naked woman dancing and on the other there's just an old woman like with a stick that was rat and she's like rattling the stick (laughs) and then he goes towards the woman rattling the stick yeah (laughs) he's like like, i understand what they're trying to go for but it was a funny visual yeah exactly (laughs) and there's a scene where seagull fights a bear in this in here yeah which we did mention earlier uh so he fights a bear and the bear flings him into the water (laughs) (laughs) And well, there's also that the water, line. like he's trying to be Jesus. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, also, there's a, uh, there's a line. Real, real quickly, there's a line when he's like lying on the bed, and they're like, 
rejuvenating him. And he's like, tell him I'm more like a mouse hiding from the the talons of the bird or something like that. And then she, the, the, uh, the daughter interprets that to her, her father. And then he says something on the lines of like, that's something that a bear would say. I was like, <laughs> what the fuck is no? Shut up. What is the, what is this writing? Yeah. Uh, there was, uh, uh, so uh, was it just one thing I did want to say about this movie. And when it comes to a lot of movies, which is I have no problem with movies talking shit about the oil industry and the things that go, I was of a problems mm-hmm. with it. However, Steven fucking Seagal is not the person who we need preaching that shit. He is an no. environmentalist and he has mm-hmm. done he's, he's, something. He's apparently a Buddhist. Apparently. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you can be a Buddhist and just go and make movies like this where you kick the fucking shit out of people. It makes very little sense to me. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Anyway, so he manages to heal, and they leave, and... and they keep telling him he's a great warrior. <laughs> if or you, whatever. If you're strong enough to steal, you're strong enough for your mission. Or something, yeah. is one of the lines. Is... He, oh, yeah, that, that whole scene. Like, he tries to steal a dog sled. Yeah. And all the dogs attack him. And then he gets up and, like, just confesses. Like, oh, I'm sorry I did this. <laughs> it's like, you beat the shit out of hundreds of people in this movie, but you can't handle a couple dogs. You can't fight like... a dog. <laughs> <laughs> you, you literally fought a bear in your dreams. And you can't. Yeah. And again, after we're done with this movie, I've got stories about Steven Seagal and dogs when we break down oh, the no. man himself okay Uh-oh. so he then teams up so mckinley or mcginley and uh all the the other bad guys show up shoot uh what's her name uh masu her name's masu uh mm. they shoot her the the, the chief mm-hmm. uh and they kill him and she's like not fucking cool and so she teams up with seagull <laughs> And they the way McKinley's character does that, like the guy's just like whoa, 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 and he shoots him, and then he he was as he's walking away, he's like he attacked me. You saw that? Yeah, he attacked me. And I was like, that's, that's fucking weird. You can't stand your ground like that. You're not on your own territory. <laughs> so they leave. <clears throat> they go back to Hugh's house. They find the drive that has all the information about the wrongdoings, and then the two of them then, well, he pushes her into. Okay, here's the other thing that really pisses me off, a cliche that I don't like in movies, is when they just burst into the house and start opening fire. Like, there's no <laughs> no wherewithal. Like, I understand that you're supposed to be the bad guys, but, like, mm-hmm. also, bullets go through wood. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're not going to be protected behind that counter. The bullets are going to go yeah. through that. One of my favorite moments from that fight scene is Seagal's hiding behind the counter, and, like, there's another guy, like, off to the side. Another guy comes in through the window, or comes through the door is like shooting at Seagal and then just randomly ducks down behind the counter and stays there. Yep. While Seagal like starts fighting another guy hand to hand. And he's just sitting there till they're done. Before <laughs> they hand fight though, he throws his gun at Seagal. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which I don't mind in movies. Like that happens oh, no, I in, love that. in John Wick too, because I'm out of wet I'm out of bullets. Fucking throw the gun at you. Yeah. Right? yeah. I don't mind that. But anyway, so they, they get into this fight. Seagal kills all three of them. And then he's like time to go <laughs> and then they go to Seagal's house I think and they're hanging out there and he looks at Masu and he's like do you think I wanted to kill do you think I wanted to do any of this 
And then he opens a door, a secret door that's full of fucking guns. <laughs> right after she gave a reasonable argument where it's like, we have evidence, go to the, pre- go to the press. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you could shut them down. Yeah, like... legally, without murdering hundreds of people. Oh, yeah. There's also, after they gear up or whatnot, there's one line that actually genuinely kind of offended me, but I was also laughing because I was like, they didn't just say this, did they? Mm-hmm. Um, where uh, they hop, they're about to leave, they hop on the horses. Seagal looks at her and says, uh, or was it, do you ride well? And she says, of course I do. I'm a Native American. <laughs> I was like, what the actual fuck? Yeah. It's like, no, you're, you're Chinese. Yeah, and also, <laughs> that woman I don't Chinese. really think horses are that popular up in that kind of, like, culture. I could in, be wrong. In, in, the, in the Inuit, with the Inuits, probably not. Like, yeah. Apologies if, if we're like wrong. Cold. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it could be wrong for sure. Yeah. But, uh, like, and also, horses have a weird history. But this is this is this is a bit of a tangent. But like horses, like originated in North America, then disappeared from North America, and then Europeans brought them back. <laughs> Where'd they go? They were just like, we don't want. Uh, I don't. Here I don't anymore. really know. I I, I I would need to look into it more. I just remember hearing the the like sum up of the hit their history. Yes, yeah, Lucas, fall down that rabbit hole like you did. <laughs> yeah, following the episode, Lucas, in our in our post show, which you can listen to on uh, Patreon.com. Ooh, plug, look at that, Patreon.com slash Thunder Lizard. Uh, Lucas is going to give us the brief history of horses. In <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Seagal and, and her, they, they go to Seagal's other hideout, <laughs> which is in the mountains, and uh, it's full of fucking C4. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like, bombs. like, and, and while this is happening, like, uh, Michael Caine and uh, 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 his people are like discussing ways to capture uh, Seagal, and so they hire mercenaries, and they're <laughs> and they're like, they're like, yeah, come, come, oh, your companies have hired mercenaries before. And it's like, yeah, in third world countries, and they're like Alaska is a third world country. I'm like, what the fuck? Holy shit! I know Alaska's a fucking state. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a third about? world country that we control. Yeah, and then. <laughs> And that's the other thing. The, the mercenaries show up in like 15 minutes. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> they're like, that. there's was no it, way. Was it just to rev a quarter for them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're just on a coffee break. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, anyway, man. so they, they show up, and one of them is Arlie Ermey. Uh, yeah. Which is great. It's, it's fun to see him, and, and he seems like he's having a good time. Um, mm-hmm. Then Seagal and, and uh, sorry, Forrest and, and Masugo and. And uh, go to this other oil refinery or whatever, and they start planting bombs and killing everyone, and everyone fucking dies. And there's a great scene where John C. McGinley gets shoved into a helicopter blade, and the woman, the woman <laughs> who said the the thing about Alaska, drives into an oil tanker truck, and then for some reason her face is all bloody out of nowhere. And then mm-hmm. she looks at Seagal and she goes, "Fuck that guy!" And then she blows up. Uh, Apparently, action scenes were throughout this whole production. Action scenes were inserted and removed daily, or almost it. daily, of a making of this thing. I believe it. And then Billy Bob Thornton shows up for three seconds, and then he <laughs> blows up. Um, and then the movie ends, more or less. Yeah. And then, um, did oh, you guys well, recognize that there is a mid-credit scene? Yep. <laughs> I turned it off as soon as the credits started rolling. Um, the scene is lit. You want to? I'll let Liam explain the mid credit. No, scene. I was gonna say I I want you to explain that one, but I have one thing to add before we get there. Okay. Which is then for ten minutes, oh, Seagal yeah. preaches to the audience Al Gore style about mm-hmm. environmental protection, talking about it like uh, 
uh, what is it? Uh, and, but also kind of talking about it in a conspiracy theory kind of way. Kinda. <laughs> um, and here's a fun fact about that, which is this sh- scene was shot, was originally shot made with the intention of it being 45 minutes long. What? But Warner Brothers stepped in and convinced him, somehow convinced him to not do that. That I would have not watched this movie. I would have stopped. Yeah, it. just <laughs> the last 45 minutes of this movie would have been Koyata Scotsy, but with Steven Seagal voice. <laughs> no, they, uh, they it's like they animals up. rotting in oil. But here's the thing. Apparently a test screen. They actually did oh, test man. screen those 45 minutes. I want release, release the Seagal cut. <laughs> no don't do no, not don't do, do not do not give this man any more attention than what we're doing um yeah so yeah it's just like here's here's five minutes of animals dying yeah. <laughs> i was like oh, all right and then yeah so there's a mid credit scene and literally the only thing that happens in this scene is Sagal or forest and and masu or mesu are in a canoe in the middle of a lake and Sagal looks at her and then he goes look and he points up in the sky, and there's a raven flying. <laughs> and it's supposed to be her dad's spirit. Mm-hmm. And then insert shitty 90s theme song. <laughs> and then the movie's <laughs> over. And one, one, one thing I wanted to bring up about this movie, there's so much just, uh, uh, like, basically just jerking Seagal off. Yeah. And <laughs> it's him they're, jerking they're, himself they're... off. Yeah, exactly. Like he's like they're always the bad guys are always talking about. We need to be careful. This guy's a maniac. He's unstoppable. If we piss him off, we're gonna lose. Blah 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 blah. And it's like, shut the fuck up. Shut up. Yeah. This piece of shit. (laughs) Um, I hated this movie so much. Really? So I had a lot of fun with it. (laughs) Lucas texted us through this saying. Uh, what is it? Uh, I am fifty-three minutes into uh, on deadly ground. And it feels like 53 years. Yeah. <laughs> and really, really, I don't like I, I I thought the movie was about over. And I'm like, oh, I'm halfway through. Oh, like when they get, yeah. Once you hit an hour, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. there's like five, 10 minutes left. It's like, no, there are 41 minutes left here. Yeah. Or 41 yeah. minutes left of this movie that you have to sit through. And yeah, yeah so I, I just, here's the thing is, is it was nominated for six Razzies. And it won mm. for worst director. It's also mm-hmm. considered one of the best worst movies because it's mm. fucking god awful. But I, I, I can still see had watching a lot this, of fun. Yeah, I, I I can see watching this with friends and having a good time. Yeah, watching it alone, I, I, I almost I, it's, yeah. it's like the room. I can't watch the room alone. I need. To I almost called you up, Lucas, and asked if you wanted to stream it. <laughs> would have been more bearable for oh, sure i do want to say that i illegally downloaded every single one of these movies because i did not want to give you any money i just want to make that very clear i do not own any of these films and i refuse one. to purchase them here's some fun facts about what happened after this movie so this oh, movie good. essentially damaged be uh, seagal's uh hollywood career beyond belief because outside of this movie being really bad he also was gaining a reputation for uh, being difficult to work with, as well as um, known for hitting his stuntman, claiming it looked more realistic, to a point where Jesus. legendary stuntman Gene LaBelle stepped in one day and called him out on it. Seagal went off and said, oh, what is it? I have tr- I'm so well-trained that, you can, that I am immune to being choked out. Gene LaBelle's like, you want to test that? And we got <laughs> in there. And apparently Gene LaBelle choked him so hard that um, he lost control of his bowels and shit his pants. Yeah. 
So these are these are stories that you can. We're, Liam and I are going to reiterate a lot of stories that you can find on the internet. They're not <laughs> they're not hard to find. You can get better representations of these stories. But yeah, Seagal shit his fucking pants <laughs> on set. I'm of immune a movie. to being choked out, and he still denies what it, saying Gene Labelle is a pathological liar. <laughs> yeah, he he um, claims to have taught Bruce Lee um, several moves, which I don't think there was ever a time where they crossed paths. <laughs> He claimed that he's the first person they called when Brandon Lee got shot. Um, yeah, this that one's is... absurd. Um, what the fuck oh, is there's... with this guy? There's more. Um, what about the and dogs? Um, no, I was gonna say I'll get I'll get to Adam in a minute. Don't you fucking wait. All right. There was uh, welcome after... welcome to welcome to. Um... I'm honestly, I'm just welcome to Liam talk shit about Steven Seagal for five minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm gonna shut <laughs> my mouth and I'm gonna let Liam talk. No, chime Go. in with you know the story, Christian, because oh, okay. it helps. Um, uh, what do you, so after on Deadly Ground, Steven Seagal decided that he didn't want to kill people in his movies anymore, even though that's the only reason people go to see his movies. Yep. And he started coming, and he started uh, traveling with a uh, karma advisor who would say that if Steven Seagal's karma was bad, he would not film that day. Wait, what? What the fuck? I did not know this. Yeah, he started traveling with an advisor who would uh, say if his karma was bad, he would not shoot that day. Holy shit. That's fucking absurd. I had no idea. (laughs) I'm trying to understand this man's brain. (laughs) Um, Like, how does this... uh, It looks like he was a victim of attempted extortion <laughs> hold on uh, let, let me just read i'm gonna read you this this you could read this on your own if you wanted to but Stephen b seagal became embroiled in a legal case involving film producer julius julius r nassau after nassau attempted to extort seagal nassau produced seven of seagal's films beginning with marked for death in 1990 the two became best friends according to seagal and formed seagal nassau productions together this is the production company that uh, made um on deadly ground the relationship became strained, however, and their partnership ended in 2000. Believing that Seagal owed him $3 million in compensation for backing out of a four-film deal, Nassau enlisted members of the Gambino crime family to threaten Seagal in an attempt to recoup money Nassau allegedly lost. Gambino family uh, captain Anthony um, Sicone, I missed that out, first visited Seagal in Toronto during the filming of Exit Wounds in, Octo- in October 2000. In January 2001, Prim, uh, Primo Casarino and other gangsters picked up Seagal by car to bring him to a meeting with Sircone at Brooklyn Restaurant. At the meeting, Sircone bluntly told Seagal that he had a choice of making four promised movies with Nassau or paying Nassau a, a, plenty, uh, a penalty of $150,000 per movie. If Seagal refused, Sircone would kill him. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, Seagal, so Seagal who- does have some mafia ties. Seagal, who later claimed that he brought a handgun to the meeting, was able to stall Sicone and escape the, man, the meeting unharmed. Um, Sicone and uh, Carasino again visited Seagal at his home in Los Angeles the following month. In the spring of 2001, Seagal sought out another mobster, Genova's crime family, <laughs> Captain Angelo Picasso, uh, to act as a peacemaker. He visited uh, Prisca, uh, Persico in prison at Rathway, New Jersey, and paid Persico's lawyer $10,000. On March 17, 2003, Casarino Ficone and others were convicted of labor racketeering extortion and 60 other counts under the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. 
Seagal testified for the prosecution about the monsters, mobster's extortion attempt. Nassau pleaded guilty to the charge of extortion conspiracy in, in August 2003, and in February 2004 was sentenced to a year and a day in prison. <laughs> Fined $75,000 in order to make mental health counseling on release from jail. In January 2008, Nassau agreed to drop a $60 million lawsuit against Seagal for the alleged breach of contract when the two settled out of court. So it's just like this years and years of fucking conflict, and he's just like, it's fine. <laughs> so just, anyway yeah so there's that uh, I kind of want to see a movie about Seagal's life now <laughs> but just that I, but portion like, but like yeah wanna... just that portion but like Seagal is the villain of the movie oh yeah <laughs> he's the bad guy Lucas throw that whole story you looked horrified like <laughs> <laughs> you looked like you um, but... I'm like trying to wrap my head around this guy's life <laughs> like normally it's not that difficult to like understand like the the scope of somebody's life but what the fuck is steven seagal the allegations and lawsuits section of his wikipedia page is very long <laughs> um but i was gonna say here's a funny story that uh was it that i learned about a little while ago so outside of uh my first exposure to steven seagal uh being under siege because again my uh my former stepdad loves that movie um, was the fact that him and my mom used to watch Steven Seagal Lawman, where after almost a decade of making direct-to-DVD videos, he decided when he needed something to do, he did a reality show um, mm -hmm. where he, I guess he just helped the Louisiana Police Department arrest people. Yeah. <laughs> um, he had zero, like, authority. He has no credit. He was literally deputized for ceremonial purposes because he helped uh, train some... <laughs> Unless it's some officers in martial arts. This oh show ran for three seasons for a total of 20 Actually, 24 which I watched episodes. five episodes of fuck? just for our audience. Good thing just... <laughs> each episode's only 22 minutes long. Um, but for, in the first one, it's literally just him teaching firearms by telling, by shooting a hole in someone in the target and saying like, you want to shoot into that hole that I just shot. And he's telling him, do not fight the recoil of a gun. Which is um, like... Not even the best marksmans can do that on a good day, you know? Like, you have to be, like, a yeah. real good sharpshooter to be able to get that. Um, also, Steven Seagal released an album in, two th album in 2005, and it's called Songs from the Crystal Cave. I just wanted to mention that. Nobody go listen to it, but if you ever want to listen to something like that, go ahead. There's an episode of Lawman where he is playing the blues. Oh, God. Um, um, but... Also, Under Siege 2 takes place on a train. Just... <laughs> um, but here's the story about the dog. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is why they suspect this is why Seagal Lawman got canceled. Seagal got involved with a job out in Arizona, completely out of jurisdiction, where there was a guy on probation who was suspected of running illegal cockfights. Seagal got together Aren't with all armed... cockfights illegal. Sorry. <laughs> uh, what is it? Got involved with a, uh, a what is it in a SWAT tank, drove into this guy's house. And and the opera uh, was it tried to bust him, and it resulted in the guy's puppy being killed and the property being completely destroyed, which he was sued for those damages. Yeah. And this guy didn't actually do anything, right? <laughs> there was no evidence found. He did not get convicted. He just sued Sakal for the damages oh, to his God. home and the death of his dog. So that's that's the piece of shit walking shit that is Steven Sakal. Um, if you want to find us, Steven, you can what find us. Fuck? You can find us if you want. You can email email us. <laughs> Just, how do we? Like usually at the end of these, we try to talk about like what happened and like how do we rationalize. But I don't know what to say about this guy. I've been like, I've been trying to rationalize this dude's life for the past like two days. I don't think I, you need to. 
I didn't even I didn't even know about all this shit you guys just talked about. I'm just so my mind is like melting. There was one time he was on a, in a movie with Tom Arnold, and uh, this is a great story. It's a Tom Arnold story, so you can actually find this story. It's easy to find. But he, um, they were shooting the movie, and Seagal was like, I don't. They were on a houseboat. That's the other thing. They're on a houseboat in the middle of the ocean, really close quarters. Ooh, Liam, Liam's changing the mood lighting. Ooh. Oh. And uh, <laughs> really close quarters. It's hard to hard to film in there. And the director was like, listen, I want to rehearse. It's really hard to shoot in here. Like, we need to make sure we do this. So the guy walks in, he's like, I don't rehearse. And he's like, okay, fine. I guess we'll go from the top. And so they go from the top. And Seagal does his whole bit. He's just like, fuck you, fuck you too, or something. Because that's his line. Then he walks to a door. He opens the door. And he steps directly into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and this is at a point when Seagal was like dying his hair. And so he comes out of the water and it's just black goo running down his face. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen pictures of a guy in recent years, Lucas, and just how? Oh, he's not aged very well. Yeah, I'm not fat shaming, but he's a fat piece of shit. Anyway, yeah. this has been this has been Steve. I think we should just fuck yeah, him. I think anyway. this is all we got. I would say just please. Go watch interviews of people telling stories about this guy because they are fascinating. Yeah, he's, he's. How did this guy become like a movie star? Because some, he, he was like, he was like anybody can be a movie star, including mm. me. Steven it was literally Seagal. because that guy was one of the biggest producers in Hollywood at the time and claimed he mm. could make him a movie star. Yeah. Anyway, this has been the <laughs> unfortunate episode of the Thundercast where we talked about Steven Seagal. Um, I don't think I'll ever watch a Seagal movie again, and I'm happy nope. about that. Yep. I will. I'll, right. I'll, I'll like I'll like take Under Siege and ed- edit out Steven Seagal just so I can watch the Tommy Lee Jones parts. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, what is it? And I will forever take joy in story and hearing stories of all the people he's worked with talking shit about him. Oh, and if you want to see something funny, I'm gonna put it right now on screen, right in the center of the screen, right there. Liam drew a picture of Steven Seagal. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> it's, it's so good. I I'm going to have it spin on screen. Um, <laughs> thanks, everybody, for watching this episode of the Thundercast. Uh, when we come back from break, after you see this very bullshit scene from Above the Law, um, we are going to do about- a very exciting and wonderful episode or edition of Coors. That's right. We'll see you right after break. Hey, why you fuck with my friend, man? Hey, man, I'm not in the mood. Hey, fuck your mood, man. What's happening, brother? Yo, what'd it be like, homie? That was real good, man. Peace, brother. All right, welcome back to the Thundercast. Uh, We are going right headfirst, diving headfirst, right into another edition of... Cool. cool Wars. That's right. Cool Wars is a game we like to play at the end of every single episode of the Thundercast, in which we pit two people from a list that we made that's entirely arbitrary of cool characters. Uh, these people are not fighting in a physical fight. Rather, it is a battle of coolness. Coolness is evaluated on a massive level of definitions. Feel free to go Google those yourselves. Liam, who do we have on the list today? Uh, today on our list, uh, just because we knew we had to desperately make up with something cool after the episode we did, yeah. we have the dude from The Big Lebowski versus Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. That's right. The dude. Two very cool people. That's <laughs> right. Liam, you want to put eight minutes on the clock first, please? Yeah, we'll do. 
And finally, I get to say this in a fitting way, but... I know what he's, he's going to do. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Three, two, one. Let's jam. You fucker. <laughs> All right. William, who's, nerd. who is Spike Spiegel? Uh, Spike Spiegel is the main character from renowned anime, uh, Cowboy Bebop. And he is essentially a uh, bounty hunter with a, a, what is it? A bounty hunter with a very troubled and checkered past mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that uh, unfolds throughout the, uh, it, throughout the duration of a series. Spike is essentially like a very competent, like you, you see him at points like perform like Bruce Lee style judo, but he's also a really sleepy guy who just likes to sit around, smoke cigarettes and eat noodles. <laughs> that is true. That's very true. The dude is the fucking dude. <laughs> who has become an icon of cinema in a lot of ways he just chills and yeah it's just jeff it's mostly jeff bridges in a house coat like... yeah pretty much <laughs> he likes in his... he, he likes rugs mm-hmm. uh he likes weed hates the fucking eagles <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um <clears throat> likes to bowl with his friends yeah 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 doesn't really give a shit what people think about him no not really not particularly <laughs> until he starts getting mixed up with stuff and then mm-hmm, kind of cares mm-hmm. what people think about him because yeah one yeah. guy is is uh is jeff lebowski he is also jeff lebowski he is not the jeff lebowski that people are looking for <laughs> things get kind of confusing and he does lose his cool um mm. a few times uh but when even when he loses his cool he's able to round it back and bring his cool back when uh, Spike loses its cool, it's actually kind of uncomfortable because he just goes into a rage. Yeah. Like, there's that mm-hmm. in the, uh, part one of Jupiter Jazz, there's a point where uh, somebody thinks he's a person who we, a character who he has a very bad history with, and he just snaps and, like, punches his hand clean into, like, a, st- a lead pipe. See? Not really yeah. that cool. Not really that cool. And and this is kind of kind of spoilers for... Uh, uh... Uh, Cowboy Bebop. Um, Is it going to spoil Spike? it for me? Oh, uh, oh, maybe. Yeah, I'll, I'll stop. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> can you say it without saying it so that Liam understands? But I don't. Uh, Spike. He doesn't have a death wish, but he has something similar. Oh, fair. Yeah, Spike has. Uh, uh, as really the best reckless. Way to yeah, he he lives life like it's a dream that he can never wake up from. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's pretty reckless, pretty careless. Um, not super. Uh, he cares about the people who's around him, but he can like, be kind of a jerk sometimes. Yeah, he does. Like he's a bit of a he's a little cold, but he does genuinely. He has a genuine heart to him. Yeah, he yeah. Cares, he cares yeah, about the people sure. like that are in his immediate circle. Like mm-hmm. you think at first that like he, and I mean yeah, he kind of does at times, but it's also like the way of with a family where like he, there are times where he really doesn't like Faye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, he does uh, get involved in conflicts she's with. And, and protects uh, her, you know, like a big brother, yep. big sister kind of thing, right? Yeah, or yeah. like uh, mm-hmm. even uh, he has that whole thing uh, in uh, her first episode where he talks about how he hates kids and dogs and women with attitudes. <laughs> but for the duration of a series, he starts to realize how much he does actually genuinely care about them. Where I'm not going to spoil it, but when what happens to them, you, um, you could tell it really hit him pretty hard once mm-hmm. they, the characters mm-hmm. go where they go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think and part of why I'm a stickler for Spike Spiegel. Fuck, I have a guy tattooed on my arm. Um, <laughs> oh, shit. I thought that was Space Jesus. <laughs> no, it is mainly the fact that Spike as a character resonated with me mainly just because, uh, 
Like, obviously, I don't have, like, a shady background with, like, a crime syndicate or whatnot. But there are things in my past. He says or, like, with moody dark lighting. Yeah, with uh, there are things <laughs> throughout my life that have Someone's been. has got a gun to his head right now. Yeah, Sorry, hard, and I don't want to. Uh, that I'm not going to get into or whatnot. But I think why Spike as a character resonates with me as much as he does. But I think is really cool and is the fact that he's a person who uh, who has to learn over time that you can't just bury your past and forget it. You just you kind of do need to carry it and learn to live with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, in a way, the dude also, they're very similar. Oddly yeah, they, they, like these two characters are weirdly similar. Yeah. One <laughs> just one just has a tendency to kick ass, while the other is almost like the idea is kind of like the American dream almost in some ways. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> if your dream is sitting around smoking weed all day, which for some it is. Yeah, there you go. For some it is. Yeah, I, think I don't is... think I've quite made up my mind. Yeah, I'm having a tough choice too. Yeah, I I, I do like both these characters. I've spent more time with Spike just because yeah. you know he's, yeah, he's got mean, full season TV. But and I feel like everybody has at least seen the Big Lebowski once. Mm. I would I think at least I, most people I've, I know. I've, I've seen most of it. Like I don't think I've actually seen the seen it the full way through. But like I've seen I've seen I've seen most of it. You've seen enough of it to get a gauge of who the dude of who is. the dude is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, no, and I again, like... Might, uh, actually, I think I might have mine. Yeah. And I think yeah. also with... Again, this also just comes from having a whole series of television as opposed to a movie, mm-hmm. which is that, like, does the dude really... The dude doesn't really change or uh, what is it, or, like, as a person by the end, he kind of just stays as he is, but that's kind of the idea that he is a guy who's just very content with himself. Yeah. Yeah. And and that, honestly, like, being content with yourself is a goal everybody should have. Yeah, and, like... uh yeah, no, it's really tricky because, like, I think about, like, uh, when I think of cool, do I think of, like, what inspires me or what hits me or just something that is just inherently just kind of a nice virtue, even if it mm-hmm. is just sitting around and smoking pot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one thing I will ask is, uh, uh, was it can the dude fight like Bruce Lee? Uh, no, he's De- pro- no, proven not. he can't. Yeah, it's proven <laughs> he cannot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Though yeah, fighting can. is not an indication of of coolness, right? That we, is true. It's literally I mean, in the being rules being able of to cool do wars. a lot of the shit that uh, was it Bruce Lee was able to do is pretty impressive. It's fucking cool, yeah. But it's it is not cool, yeah. In the definition of cool mm. wars, mm. I'm, I'm I'm definitely leaning a certain direction, but I don't think I've fully made up my mind yet. Well, we're down to a minute and a half. Oh no, I gotta um, I gotta make a decision then. I'm also I'm also very. Um, I, I think I, I'm down to the wire on this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like both uh, these characters are really cool. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's really tricky. It is really tricky because again, yeah. like I don't want to show up. I don't want to be biased or anything. I do, and there are genuine things, but like it's hard because it is genuinely one of my oh, favorite man. characters of all time. I know, mm-hmm. but there is also somebody who is a. But then you're also with somebody who has become like. Did we ever put Marty McFly on our list? I don't think he's on there. I think I tried not I to be. I tried not to be biased. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you do that? I don't know. <laughs> All right, I, I, I'm. I'm going to go with the direction I'm leaning. We only have a minute left. This is really tough, though. These these are I'm, both really cool characters. I'm I'm very perplexed as well. Um, mm-hmm. and also I will say that uh, and again, both also have like the most fitting ends to their characters I've probably ever seen in anything. Hmm. Or at least the last time we see these characters. Where are we at, Liam? Yeah. Uh, 15 seconds. All right, you might Oof. as well just stop it. 
Yeah, time's up. All right, ready? Three, knee, two, two, one. one. Spike, Spike. Spike. Oh, so Spike then, because I said both. Yeah. I thought somebody oh, yeah. else was going to say both so we could put them both through. But yeah, I guess Spike it is. I guess Spike wins. That's that. I was leaning a little bit more towards Spike anyway. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, all right, yeah. So Spike it is. Because Spike, cool Spike is basically the dude if the dude could fight like Bruce Lee. Like, <laughs> and, Spike and is like... And uh, Spike space, is yeah. like the dude. Uh, what is it? If you were crossed with a fucking Marlboro man, <laughs> and Bruce Lee with Bruce Lee of a Marlboro man. That's true. Lucas, yep. can there you, you uh, send us off, please? Of course I can. Uh, if you guys liked what you heard, please follow us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're known as Thunder Lizard Collective. On Twitter, we are Thunder Lizard OG. Uh, we have a Patreon, uh, Patreon.com/ThunderLizard. Uh, Christian. Uh, 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 t- uh, streams video games uh, on our Twitch and YouTube channels. Again, just Thunder Lizard, Thunder Lizard, uh, Thunder Lizard Collective. Uh, I join on Mondays for some ARC, and today we played Valheim, we which was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and and if you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends, uh, share us on sh- social media, follow us on Spotify, uh, rate us on iTunes and other equivalent streaming platforms. Uh, we have a couple other shows that we do. We have uh, Thunder and Dragons, where I am the uh, Thunder Master, where Christian, Liam, and our friend Dan uh, 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 go through some fun uh, god godly adventures. Uh, we also have Bookzilla, where it's like this show, but shorter and about books. That's right. Specifically. Significantly um, shorter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like half the length. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, uh, a big shout out and big thank you to our sponsors. That's Kate, right. Tanya, I didn't oh, know. I didn't know you oh. had the list. Sorry, you go I ahead. Did, I did. I did have the list. Yeah, Shit. I, 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 I scrolled up through Facebook Messenger for when you said. Hell this. yeah, man! All right, sorry, you go ahead. <laughs> yeah, uh, our Patreon sponsors: Kate, Tanya, Scott, Manos, and Owen. Thank you guys so so much. Uh, your support means a whole lot. Uh, anything else? Did I miss anything? No, you got it all, man. Perfect. All right. This has. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure who was doing the send off. This has been a Thundercast <laughs> for this week. My name is Christian. My name is Lucas. And I'm Liam. See ya. Hey. Hey. Yeah. I hear you're looking for Silvano. You heard that? I know where he's at. Where's that? Right here, motherfucker. <laughs>